less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Well, Khalil, <laughs> good, good morning this afternoon. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, what day is it? Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, 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 I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, obviously, a big fan of the show already. Um, thanks. And, and I'll uh, you take debit cards. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> endorsement down in the link. Yeah. right? Oh no, we'll, and yes, they will be. They yeah. will be. We'll yeah, you'll have endorsement in the yeah. links. So. so yeah, we've uh, we started cash flow contractor all about less stress, more time, more money. And we're excited to have you on because you know a little bit about stress, time, and money, don't you? I know a lot about the first one. <laughs> and a little bit about, well, money was last, right? The latter, <laughs> uh, no, it's, um, yeah, uh, you know, it, it comes with time, of course. And I, I got to give credit where credit's due. A lot of that also came from Martin. So uh, thanks for that. And um, still learning. And, and it's it's a marathon. We all it's are. It's not a sprint, right? Yeah, yeah so. we all are. Um, man, well... For I mean, we obviously know you, but um, give us a little bit of background. Tell us about who you are, where you're from, um, what we need to know about Will Blake. Yeah, so um, my, my name is Will Blake, and my wife and I own a, a company here locally in Oklahoma City called Vesta Foundation Solutions. But um, going back a little bit, we I grew up on a tobacco farm in North Carolina. Um, oh, wow. And my father was the quintessential general contractor slash technician. So we grew up building houses, and I mean, heck, he had us on job sites picking up shingles when we were six and seven. Yeah. Um, you know, we were we were framing houses by the time we were fifteen and sixteen. Probably like a lot of your listeners, you know, you kind of you learn from your your parents on how to do this stuff, but you really learn how to be good at the task rather than running a business. So, um, fast forward into college. Uh, I was a really great C student in college. <laughs> and, uh, C's get degrees. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those. I never had a banker ask me for my report card, so that, that worked out. But um, yeah, uh, I started a business as a home improvement contractor and um, kept crossing paths with a gentleman that specialized in dirt crawl space repair. Okay. And so we he had one foot into retirement at the time, so we joined, uh, we, we merged our businesses. And, hmm. um, funny, I could probably revert back to Eric's podcast about legal stuff when we get a little <laughs> bit farther along okay. in this. Like, Perfect. yeah, I should have gotten some more things in writing. but you Maybe know, a contract? It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, or a secession plan. But uh, we, we essentially took a three-person business, and in the course of seven years, we grew it up into about 80 employees in two locations. Wow. And what we specialized was in retrofit applications of repairing dirt crawl spaces and basements for structural problems. Okay. And um, at that time, you know, I was very young and, and arrogant and, you know, I, I, I was not a good steward of leadership and things of that nature, but uh, our visions had changed. So that you, you, you and your partner. partner. Uh, yes. Okay. And uh, so what we did was uh, we, we actually split split up our, our relationship. And uh, through that seven years, my, my wife, Sydney and I, which, uh, you know, it, she's here spiritually with us. She's a, she's dealing with the business and the kids today. So uh, you're yeah. the second interview we've had that guy. The, the big issue is the kids, Michael. Yeah. The, um, I got to go get my kids. Oh. Yeah, the, um, 
they're a good. Like, it's part of it. It's yeah. No, it's part of it. Kids are part of contracting. Yeah. But no. So Sydney and I had developed some good relationships throughout the country with some other contractors that really serve in the same industry as us. And so we, we helped contractors in South Carolina and Memphis really setting up systems and processes, training sales. And for a short stretch, we, uh, we had an opportunity kind of, I had to step back into a following role rather than a leading role for a little bit after that, uh, that change in our life. And you mean we, after you split yeah, part the, of company? the first okay. business in North Carolina. Um, I mean, that was a, I, I invested a lot of personal equity into that, not sweat equity, personal equity. Money. And, hey, vision and all that. And, uh, but also at the same time, I mean, I was heading in a, one direction at 100 miles an hour and then to be told stop and turn. That yeah. You, you have a little bit of a reckoning there you got to work with. But um, through that, one of our very good friends that owned a business in Virginia, specifically Virginia Beach all the way up through Maryland, he had four offices, needed oh, wow. an operations manager. And uh, he also needed someone to help translate the software side of his business to contracting. Um, so my wife fit that mold perfect because programmers, as you would know, Khalil, yeah. and contractors, they speak totally different languages. It's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we moved there and had a chance to, to work with some of the most talented people in the business. And we were there for three years. And to give you an idea, they were a specialty contractor in foundation repair. And when we arrived, they already were doing $33 million in revenue per year. And I think uh, we were fixing about 80 homes a week. Just It wow. was wow. jet fuel. Um, and that's, that's a very heavy regulated area, a lot of permitting, a lot of... Really? Uh, tasks and workflow needed just to execute the job. So um, in working with uh, Jesse and his family through that company, we we stuck with him for a little over three years, grew it up uh, with him into about a $70 million revenue wow. year business. So more than doubled it. Yeah. And it was, um, I, I can't take credit for all that. Sure. But you had, you had a role in it. I mean, I, and he sold that business to a private equity firm. And I got to tell you, it was the best thing that ever could happen because <laughs> living around Washington, D.C., dealing with the traffic and the people and also just the day-to-day -day lifestyle. I mean, to be a contractor at a million-dollar level versus a 70, it's a big you're, difference. You're, you're a different person. Well, tell us a little bit about that because I, I think for a lot of listeners, they probably are in that 1 to 10 range. What mm -hmm. What is the big difference being, I mean, even an operations manager, not necessarily the owner of it, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the operations manager is the owner of it, honestly. Yeah. But um, what what is the big difference, would you say? So I, I think uh, number one, which I'm still to this day battle with on a regular basis, is delegation and right. just fully delegating. And I know that we're talking down to basic leadership principles, and yeah. I'm taking it all the way back to delegation. That's me, one of my personal weaknesses. I had to get really good at delegation and accountability, just saying, Hey, this is your job. This is what your clear expectation is. And having that behavioral intelligence to work with people in that level was yeah. one of the biggest hurdles for me. Um, mm -hmm. Because really, you can have a $50 million business, but not be a stupendous businessman. <laughs> you could be really? a good business owner by just being good at getting good, great results out of other people and asking really good questions. That sounds that's, like a good business owner to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll re- we'll revisit that issue. Yeah. So are the I mean, but at the are the problems at the seventy million dollar level that you're delegating, are they different than the ten million or the one million dollar level? Uh, They've got to be right, or no? Yeah, a lot of them are the same. I think the the legal and accounting function gets really really challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're you're exposed to all sorts of liabilities at that size, but many of them are the same problems multiplied. Yeah, um, you, you still have people. <clears throat> technology and leadership those three right there are kind of the I, I like to look at our business as a machine those are what I call like the lubricants of that machine yeah um, and you know I, I think culture would probably be another big one in there Absolutely. so those are the key differences because we could even see at a 40 50 million dollar level dysfunctions of one of those major yeah. areas or even a dysfunction of the four areas like the leading getting uh, doing and administrating the business. I mean, there's you have problems in those four areas that still exist at that level. Yeah. Uh, specifically in this business, one of the big one was leading it. It was just sort of, hey, everybody felt like a number and mm-hmm. because there was no vision for the company. Yeah. And then that's where people kind of go into this hard edge of just, I'm punching a clock and I don't mean anything to anybody. It kind of applied to you in Sydney, right? Uh, as well, in certain aspects. I mean, when, that one. Re- well, go ahead. Yeah, when go that ahead. transition happened during the acquisition, it it, it most certainly was because when you're answering to a shareholder, you it's obviously the culture is right. a lot different. But um, we we were at a, a crossroads in our life anyway, where we said, listen, we this company has outgrown us, and we were mature enough to admit to that. Yeah. So. That's um, really important to. And I think that. what you've told me in the past too is you didn't want to accept the role. I mean, you're an entrepreneur and a businessman. And, yeah. And it, to be a functionary working for somebody else, which is a noble thing, but if that's not who you are, that's not right. Yeah, and there becomes a point like a bell curve. Everything's good, but then eventually you come down the other side mm-hmm. of the bell. And Sydney and I were both in that area where it's like, okay, listen, this is fun, but it's not fun anymore. <laughs> we need to kind of like stallions be have a big field to run in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that culture in that area is very difficult. I mean, traffic kicks up at 5 a.m. and it's it's yeah. a grind. Um, I think Elon Musk talks about traffic being one of the most soul-sucking um, <laughs> really activities. Is, honestly, yeah, it really so, is. But um, when that happened, um, we were really at a point in our life where we had the kids, and we said, "Well, where do you want to go?" So mm-hmm. um, we began looking for opportunities, and one of our main vendors. Um, that they were one option that we had. We knew we would be doing contracting because when you're, sorry, let me rewind a little bit. When you grow a business into that large of an enterprise, there are certain parts of being smaller that you start to miss. Like, like what? Well, like having a heart-to-heart coaching conversation with an employee to help them get better rather than saying, hey, by the way, you didn't hit your quota, sign this piece right. of paper and uh, I'm gonna turn it into HR, that sort of thing. Or physically looking at a customer and seeing that smile on their face. So there's merits in both of those models. And I think there's a a metamorphosis that happens with contractors and their Mm -hmm. business that you'll start to see those signs. And I I think, you know, I'm in the, my purpose is to grow our business, but it's also one of those where I think we realized we didn't enjoy a lot of those nice little steps and these other ventures that we had. So it was really important that wherever we went, that we said, hey, listen, we've got to start enjoying those little things. Kind of like 
that first big sale that comes in. And by the way, when I say sale, when you finally get the check. Yeah. When you get the and when it clears. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or when you see that employee or uh, that employee's family buy their first house based yeah. on the income that you helped provide that's really to cool. them. So we heard that today. Uh, just heard somebody else made that same comment today. Yeah. Helping somebody buy a house. Yeah, and, and it's like, okay, now we can have a kid because we can afford it now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. don't worry, I did that the wrong way. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah. But um, So one of our options with one of our vendors, they, they had a few open markets around the country, and Oklahoma was on that list. And um, for those around the country that don't know, Oklahoma is one of the nicest places in the country. That's really good um, to hear. We were actually just talking about that with another person who— uh, John Hill, who moved here from Alabama, and um, he said the nicest. He said the nicest place to live was New he's Orleans ever lived, and he's been all Edmond, over. Which, for listeners who aren't from Oklahoma, similar. Those are kind of rival towns in some respects. Well, yeah, it's because yeah. they're similar. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. The, I mean, we we looked and wrote business plans for a lot of different markets. And for those that are listening, when we talk about a business plan, I don't have some uber complex way of writing a business plan. I just pull up a word template and we follow that guideline. Yeah. And, and it, it's just the act of writing it down that says we're going to plan this. So what are some of the factors that you're considering? I mean, because business plans can be super complex and they can be a one page, but yeah. like, what are the main things to you? So uh, I'll give you a quick comparison. So when I pulled up Oklahoma, obviously we have a strong population here, uh, yeah. just shy of 4 million people. And Specifically in the Oklahoma City metro, there's a good amount of people here. Sure. Um, and also the homeowner uh, occupied dwelling rate. So if you're a small contractor and you service customers, not businesses, yeah, then that's a metric that I look at. So we were at about 66, 67% uh, versus maybe a Louisiana that's a little bit more impoverished <laughs> and you see sure. that those numbers are lower. So there's less people that actually own their homes that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, and another uh, specific area is obviously annual income and my ideal customer. Are there more ideal customers coming to that space or are there less or more of them leaving the space? So a good comparison would be Oklahoma. We're growing in our 30s population rapidly. Yeah. But a place like Connecticut, which is similar in population and demographic, is decreasing in that market mm -hmm. sector because people can't afford to live there. Right. Um, so, so any of the Oklahomans on listening to the podcast, sorry if I'm clouding up your demographics here, <laughs> us East Coast folks and people from California coming here, but there's a reason for well, it. Is that's a really good point because what you're looking—that's market research. And yeah, honestly, I don't see no, whenever yeah, you talk to about a business plan, they're thinking more so like, what is my product? What am I going to charge? Um, maybe who's the one customer I'm reaching? Not like, okay, how many of that customer are in the area? You know, that's very, I mean, I think that's a really smart approach, and I think more people need to think about it. you had that, uh, you're just hitting on everything and seeing the forest for the trees. Uh, you just described an ideal customer. Well, we don't have to today go into your ideal customer, but you have a damn ideal customer. Yeah. That's yeah. who we're selling to. Who are they? Where are they? Where are they going? Yeah. What do we have to do to reach them? And it's foundational. And people. Was that a pun, foundational? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I intended to. Yes. I intended to say that. Yeah, throw a copyright. Ooh, yeah. Right behind now, that. Okay. Now you got so, me uh, thinking. So, uh, but you know, our 30 year old customers are the future customers for us. They're just saplings for us. Yeah. So, because 
when they become into some income mm-hmm. and they, they stay in their dwellings and they're not in a transient area, you know, they're, they're going to care for their properties and specifically our services in fixing foundations. I know it's not, it's the highest sexiest industry next to foundation, uh, fitness and, uh, health and fashion and all that stuff. Yeah, foundation. Right, it's foundation right above septic tank. Septic uh, tank. I mean, we pump. play in the dirt. Uh, it's it's really what we do. Um, but people need that before they can buy the wants, the kitchen cabinets, the windows, things like that. Um, so we're, uh, we we look at that, and, we, and, and you know we may talk about that in our sales function a little bit. But I did that in a lot of different markets. And, and by the way, that sounds complex. You can pull up Google and just. What is the population of Greater Oklahoma City Metro? And then it'll pull up the census, and you can see all of these in one page. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't don't, don't make it too that. complicated. I mean, I think when people hear you saying these Market these different research. stats and demographic things, yeah. it's like what I can't do that. Like no, just think through it mm-hmm. and search Google. Don't make it too complicated. Well, and and I would dovetail that with one of your other comments, Khalil, is don't run away from <coughs> a competitive market. Because if there's competitors, that means there's a need. Yes. So that we have Brilliant. obviously a lot of competitors here, mm-hmm. so that showed demand. Yeah. Um, and I think if there's anybody listening that's aspiring to open up their own shop or even be a technician and do their own thing, don't be intimidated by the fact that there's competitors. No, competition's a brilliant thing, and yeah. there's a reason why you know they're the SEC wants competition in markets. It's the only way to thrive. Like Elon Musk is welcoming electric vehicles and it's only going to make Tesla better because it just, it, it, my my father said, used to tell me, he said, uh, competitors pay half your marketing bill. Now we're not talking the specific, but they legitimize it. If you've got something nobody's ever heard of, what the hell's that? You know? Yep. Exactly. So that, yeah, that's I a great point. A, Thanks for bringing that yeah. up. That's really a takeaway. Yeah, and uh, you know, when I was doing markets, I uh, put in New Mexico. There's two companies there, and it's like, nope. I mean, that made a real quick decision. Seriously, right yeah. It's, it's a, like there's, it's a great there's point. not enough demand to what? fit my lifestyle, um, which isn't a nice one. But I do like to keep busy. Uh, right. So, <laughs> uh, so we we essentially hashed out a business plan, saying, all right, here's our targets, and um, we. We flew out here, visited the community, fell in love with it. Nice people, demand for what we do. Uh, for those that don't know, this is eerily similar to the middle part of North Carolina. Really, you know, I didn't know that. A lot of red clay. Oh, okay. Obviously, there's more wind here. Yeah. There is less tobacco. Well, yeah, yeah. it's not grown here. Yeah, it well, consumes. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. More than necessary. Well, and we where we have wind here in Oklahoma and. You know, we have or, or tornadoes. They have hurricanes and humidity. Right. So it's like, all right. So th- there's all sorts of things. And one of my ultimate goals was we wanted to say, where's a place we were, we can finally let, get our kids to lay down roots, which was important mm. to us, but also where we could see ourselves living for the rest of our lives. And I know that's not a, a resort destination, Oklahoma, but I tell you, it's it's a hidden secret. You were looking so, for a solid foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> Cue, cue the puns. <laughs> that's a copyright infringement right yeah, there. That's right. Call Eric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah, so, uh, and then it's just the same. I, I know we talk and preach about this, or you have talked and preached about this a lot in your previous episodes, is after that, it's a system and a process. It's just yeah. the same thing repetitively done and continuing to dial it in and dial it in. So I think that's a great point. Like you were going through 
all of these things back on the East Coast. And coming, if you can remember back to when you did come to Oklahoma, was it really just kind of like a, almost a turnkey process? Like, was it, was it like, I don't know, walking in your sleep, like really just whatever? Or was it really difficult to actually replicate what you had done there? Yeah, it's um, it's still a challenge. So I don't sure. want to make it sound like it's easy. Um, but you, you know, it's funny. And when you look at it from a systems and processes perspective, you know, we moved December 28th, 2016, moved in off of a U-Haul truck. And we consider January 4th, 2017, our, I was gonna get to our first yeah. day. January that's 4th? When our, it's funny because... Well, you don't consider yourself open until your website's live, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> That's a great point. If you're not on the internet, I think you know that, Khalil. You don't oh, exist absolutely. as a contractor. So we consider that our quote-unquote first opening day is uh, Sydney and I, and also to, to put a disclaimer out to the listeners, you know, I was a 2.2 GPA kid in high school, and I'm a college dropout. Okay, so you don't have to be some just... Just I'm sure that resonates. So we're going to speak. A lot of our we have to speak slowly, Khalil. Yeah, that's right. And, and I am from the North Carolina, so you yeah. got to really draw your vowels for me. So okay. The, uh, thank goodness we're drinking water and not bush light here today because <laughs> the southern accent would come out really heavy. But um, so I facilitated a lot of the um, the sales, the getting the business, the marketing yeah. and sales function. Sydney, my wife, complemented the administrating of the business function really well, uh, establishing systems, processes, KPIs, which there's KPIs and systems in every... Everybody know what a KPI is. We're going to take it from... Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, it's good. I mean, we're we're right with you, but but I know there's somebody listening like, wait, you lost me. A KPI is a key performance indicator. What's an example of a KPI that you might track? Just one, anything. Total volume of leads. How okay, many there leads you. did I get this month? Right. So you want to be able to pull up a dashboard and say, hey, how many leads did we have last month? How many leads did we have last quarter? How yeah. many leads do we have last week? Yeah, and I think that's the I think even in my younger days, I think I got intimidated by key performance indicators because there's you can dream up any key performance indicator mm-hmm. you want. You really I can. Mean, if you are a landscaper and you just want to know how many jobs, okay, well, Right on a whiteboard, jobs this month, and you just start tallying them, and that in its bare form is a key performance indicator because yep. it's influencing something in your business. So, um, so when we got here, I was more in the getting the business. Sydney was in the administering the business. Um, my brother, who I stole from my previous business partner, yeah, and we grew up building houses yeah. together. His focus was going to be doing the business, and I guess you could say guiding the business fell on me uh, because because I'm, you're the leader. I'm the visionary leader type, and you're uh, you're doing a really good job of referencing the four areas of business. And I have a couple of questions with that. But if you haven't listened to the first episodes of the Cashflow Contractor, the four areas are guiding the business, getting the business, doing the business, and administering the business, which you've referenced across the board. Why are you referencing those? Is it because it's that helpful? Or, I mean, what is your recommendation to contractors out there about the four areas? Yeah, so it's it's like your organs. You know, you, you can't go out without a set of lungs, you know. Yeah. But you you got to have the lungs and you have to have the heart. Or, I guess, let me rewind it. Let's think of it mechanically. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I think most contractors are mechanic mechanically inclined. Sure. You know, um, 
So if you have a business and you crack the lid up and off of the roof or your garage and you say, what does it look like from top? You have a, a gear that is marketing and that gear has to turn before that phone rings. Yep. So once that phone rings, that, that really does kick off your first KPI um, because how many of those phone calls are answered? Yeah, and right. So, so if, if you're wondering what a conversion rate is, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> so I answered 90% of my phone calls today. So uh, then we have to sell the job um, or sell the lead, I sure. should say. And then that creates the transaction with a customer. And then we get into doing the work, which is the job itself. And we're creating our cash cycle at that point. So. Then we've we've introduced our really hard edge margins and profit, gross yep. profit and net at that point. So those three, if we were to dumb it down to that and just, you know, on top of that, the guiding is that vision aspect of saying, okay, well, is it always going to be 300000 a year? If that is what it is, then that's fine. But if this is going to be a $30 million operation, then what does that look like at that point? Yeah. So... Um, that's why I, I kind of cue off of those four areas because I mean I, I think we if we're bringing it down to the basic models it's not that complicated um, yeah which is really important I think the thing that I like about the four areas is that it makes it understandable and it makes it very clear you're not guessing where things need to fall you're able to look at the four different areas and say okay where are we at today we're focusing on this area okay this is what we need to do yeah. uh, really puts everything into perspective so well, you've, you've like, mentioned a lot of that. It, I like it, it identifies where your problems are. Oh, you know, Mike yeah. McCallowitz wrote a book uh, recently, can't remember the name. But, fix uh, this first. Fix this first. Yeah. It's very similar. It's like, well, if you're wondering where the problems are in your business, yeah. it's in one of these four areas. So yeah. when I moved here. You cycle through that, in your mind yeah. while you're driving around. Is it a sales thing? Is it a production thing? Yeah. You know. And, and so when we moved here, obviously the first problem was getting the business. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a brand. We have to market. We have to have a system that captures that leads information. Yep. So we know what number to call and setting appointments. So, and then we have a process of selling. And how, what does that look like? You get a clean sheet of paper out and say, we're going to confirm our calls before we go out. We're going to give an estimate the same day. We are going to follow up on that if it does not sell. Um, uh, and if it does sell, yay. We, yeah. We're not out of the Now we got to go do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we got to buy the product yeah. and material. So, it, and this sounds really bad. Hopefully, your listeners get a kick out of it. So, I sold my first projects before I even bought the truck to do the work. <laughs> because, it, I mean, and there's buy, a difference buy, in that, though. You've, yeah. you've done the work before, you know, yeah. you knew what you were doing. It wasn't like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to go sell it and then figure out the truck stuff later. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it, it, it's it's really down. Yeah, I was playing a little bit of the timeline game exactly. because I knew I could get away with it. But I think it's in reversal now. It's kind of like, hey, I've got the tools. I've got a, a van. You're probably at a better advantage than I was at that point because now it's like, boy, you don't have to worry about capital as much. Yep. I mean, we all have to worry about capital. But um, now we've already got it to where as soon as you gain that business, your cash cycle is really fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You could probably take a deposit for your job do the work, put it in the ground before you owe your vendor for it. Yeah. Uh, essentially. Yeah. So that's um, a plan actually. Yeah. 
Uh, sometimes it's not a very good plan. Yeah. Well, it, not if I'm coaching the supplier, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's right. the, um, but yeah, that, that's essentially how we ride. So today, if I were to fast forward, we have, um, uh, at, at the time of this recording in September, we're three years, eight months in. Okay. We have, uh, I think collectively, we have two offices with collectively 51 employees. Nice. Um, that's full-time and part-time. We do have mm-hmm. about eight part-time employees. And then we'll probably, we, we pulled back pre-COVID. We, we knew there was a market correction coming. We just didn't expect it to be in the form of a virus. Mm-hmm. So we pulled our growth way back to really hone everybody in. And uh, we, we're below target for our goals this year, but we're, we'll probably hit about 5.2 million wow. this year. Yeah, um, you didn't mention it in passing. One thing I wanted to get out, when I met you, Mm-hmm. Probably a year after, because so probably January of seventeen. Yeah. But he had arrived on January fourth, and you did one point four million the first year. One point two. One point two. You know, it's uh, which uh, some people that may not seem like much, but to a lot of people, that's like, year, are that's, you that's kidding phenomenal. me? That's starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah. and um, I mean, it, it was. You know, there were still problems there, but you know, you you, you point to your north star, and you just kind of you keep treading. It's like the 20-mile march. It's just um, our 20-mile march was probably bigger leaps and bounds than most people yeah. would uh, would consider. But then, yeah, going into next year, we did 2.47 million. Wow. Second the second year. year. And then so the third doubled. year, we jumped up to 4.5. There was wow. a, a we, we purchased a small company in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and relocated them, set up some structure, diversified them, and they did a million in their first year. That's um, awesome. So collectively, in a global perspective, um, that's that's we're, we'll do about five point two this year in install revenue, and that's down. Um, our goal was actually closer to five point seven. Uh, yeah. COVID, we we started to pull back the reins a little bit to say we don't know what's going to happen. And what so, and what did happen for you? I mean, I know we're like six months in to COVID, basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, flattening the curve. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. What. Uh, what 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 was the impact on co- on your business from COVID? So because um, I know you guys are a higher purchase price for customers usually, right? As a foundation repair, do you mind saying what average uh, sale is? Yeah, so our average sale right now, and by the way, this is a KPI. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh, right now, fifty seven hundred dollars, okay. just shy, which is down from fifty nine hundred. So. We're seeing that weird trend. It's dipped a little bit. Yeah. Uh, closing uh, on our jobs right now, which can be measured in a few different ways. Um, from total amount of leads to total jobs is about 23%. So um, for our sales team, that's closer to 35 because they don't see some of the leads that we don't run. Um, gotcha. And, and what that means for your listeners is, is I may get 100 leads, but that doesn't mean I get 100 appointments. I, I get yeah. like 85 of them. Right. Collectively. And then you close 35% of those 85. That's right. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, when we look at it, the business from that perspective, uh, you know, that we're always trying to find ways to dial those in and get them better. Yeah. I think one of the biggest, uh, by the way, a great book for, uh, I'm probably skipping your George Washington segment. Sorry. No, no, we're... <laughs> Um, We're doing Yogi Bear today. We are doing it. Yeah, yeah oh, we didn't okay. tell you. We changed it. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, uh, well, that's good. The, um, no, you go ahead and throw it out there. Per- get me prepared. Thanks. Well, I'd find another book if I had to. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we talked about this. Is um, you know a good fable of a contractor that's struggling 
and then finally establishing some processes uh, the highest calling by Larry Janeski. It's mm -hmm. a huh. great Never heard quick it. read. Um, and it's uh, it's a fable. It's a story of a contractor sure. uh, that's going through the main struggles of stress and, you know, phone ringing off the hook, bad lifestyle at home, and then coming into, you know, this this change, internal change, that says, hey, I've got to start measuring things. I've got to delegate to people in my office. I've got to hire people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good beginner's course in contracting. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so... Uh, we, we, we follow a lot of the same things when we talk about uh, these KPIs. So yeah. one thing that, that is outlined in that book that I would say is very helpful to people is average dollar per lead. So take your total revenue and divide it by all of your leads. Because when you identify, say for example right now, our average dollar <clears throat> per lead is $2,200. So when you know that phone ringing, it's twenty two hundred dollars. You're, You're gonna, gonna answer, answer better answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because and it, um, that actually kind of gets into it. I think we can start maybe diving into some of these areas a little bit. Um, but one of the ones that I wanted to ask is, you had mentioned your average dollar per lead. What are all? Of, I want to know from a marketing standpoint all of the different channels that you are gathering leads from because I know you are in several. Yeah. Um, so when I look at marketing, I look at it like a diversified start, stock portfolio. Yeah. Um, obviously, internet is king for our industry. So, that, will you say that one more time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and check the links in the notes. Seriously, right? so, like, because so many contractors that I talk to, they are. Does it work? Should we do it? They they're so stuck on word of mouth referrals, which I get. Yeah. But like word of mouth referrals are great because the conversion rates higher usually, yeah. and because you don't have to work for it that hard. Um, you just have to do good work. So at its basic function, I would say, so if you take, first off, just accept it. If you want business, you got to spend money in the marketing gear to get that work. And so we're very aggressive with that. And we have some campaigns that produce zero leads. And does that scare you? No, because we've got, say, for example, internet leads. And then we average those with, say, a referral, and that lowers our average dollar per lead. Manage the average, not yeah. each. And then so, you know, if I've got a magazine, which that could be arguably a dying media, but there, we still get leads from magazines. Right. I may have a magazine in a remote town that gets me nothing, but I say, okay, after three, four months, if I'm, that just shows me we're not doing it right there. Yeah. So, okay, pull that money back and let's put it in another place. Um, so, for example, when people think internet they think website because internet's there's it's a whole another portfolio essentially in my opinion because there's yeah. so many different channels you can be in yeah so in our internet category we have our website okay website. we have uh which is just organic then we have pay-per-click which is you know all of us waving our money at google um yeah. just trying to fight for a few words and that, that's a big chunk of it. And yeah. then we have Facebook and social media, which yeah. when I say Facebook, I should just say social media because depending on your media, I mean, if you're a, uh, say like a kitchen cabinet guy, Instagram yeah. is going to be huge for you because you want to show off that work. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of people tagging uh, their foundation. Systems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, and their, their Would you put a hashtag in front of it? Yeah. No, we, you know, just put a, a good looking guy and, you know, flannel shirt, and maybe it works, but no, not really. <laughs> but social media is a big one. 
because uh, that's where our customers are. Anywhere our customers are, that's where we were trying to put it there. Yeah. Uh, then obviously we have some of these lead source websites like yes. Home Advisor. So you're on Home Advisor. What are the other ones you're on? So we're on Home Advisor. We're on Porch. We are on Yelp. We are on. Um, gosh, I just got one today. Thumbtack. Uh, okay. Which how do those know, perform? By the way, I never really look at Thumbtack or Porch. Um, according to our KPIs or our marketing overview now, yeah. the the Porch app only produces maybe three four leads a, a month. month. Okay. Uh, but. Twenty-two hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, yeah, got to convert. You know, yeah, we got to make sure they convert. Um, yeah. But then, you know, you get thumbtack, and maybe two of them actually convert to an appointment out of six. We would just reduce that budget. Yeah. Um, uh, Home Advisor is a big one for us. Um, as a contractor, it's easy to complain and gripe about Home Advisor to say, well, you know, they send it out to three people, and then. You know, you've got to be on the phone. Yeah, okay. you've got to get it first. But there's a right? really important thing. With, yeah, you do have to be on the phone first, but you need to be not just waiting on your email. You need to actually be on their native platform, right? Yeah. So um, I think a good example, if you have a contractor that's on the fence of hiring somebody, ask yourself, okay, if I have 10 leads, um, and if I hired someone, they get me two extra appointments out of those 10 leads, multiplied by $5,600, $5,700 as an average dollar per sale, you just paid for that, Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that person to be in the office. Too. I have to say, uh, in passing, when I first met you, mm -hmm. I don't remember where I first saw you, maybe it was in a mastermind or something, but you brought your spreadsheet in and blew everybody away. Uh, yeah. Had a, I think you do it a little more formally now, but had a spreadsheet in every channel, whether, and you had some people's name that, because I knew them from, J W, yeah, right? Yeah, and had the cost per lead, the cost per appointment, mm -hmm. the cost for uh, quote. We, we do yeah, there's there were more than just and then close and then you had lines through there and I mean it, this number's a hundred and this number's twelve hundred. It's a good deal. Yeah. Matter of fact, I want to presage that. You used to have a number that you told me. You put a dollar in the top. How did you describe your marketing? Yeah. So uh, if I have a dollar and I put it in the top of a machine and it goes through marketing and appointment center and sales and production and out the bottom pops out 10. I would just take and like, if you had a, Stuff a, the a, a in machine there. in the casino doing that, yeah. you would just be putting money in that machine nonstop. Right. And that's what marketing is to us. Sometimes it, it doesn't perform Okay, you well. said 10, but what, yeah. do you have a, a KPI, what number like for dollar yeah, so right now gross our, profit per? You know, if we put, right now we actually have pulled it back a little bit because we can't, people, there's a lot of people at home that are calling and we're not having to spend as much. So our marketing percentage may Did be, you tell them they're messing up your statistics? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Would you they, please yeah. go call me <laughs> yeah, through like, Yelp? Yeah, this is, not, this is not healthy. You call me back in a month, right? <laughs> <laughs> or 2021. Yeah. So uh, right now if I put $6 in the top of the machine, I get 100 back. That's great. So, Can uh, you do the math on that, Ethan? real quick but that's good right yeah like um, amazing and so i like do have wow. some of I mean, like home wow. advisor is like okay so it's 30 dollars per lead or up to 60. well you know if you can't get to the phone fast enough find a way to integrate it you know there's very affordable plans so you can have a call center person yeah and by the way we even we don't answer phones on the weekend in our business oh that's good so I mean, tell me tell me more about that decision well, I mean, it's funny. I think somebody coined this work-life balance 
coined phrase <laughs> years ago, but I don't believe that exists. I think work-life integration exists because yeah. we all take our work home yeah. uh, with us and we talk to our Ethan's spouses. getting lots of good stuff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there has to be a threshold that says, listen, we are not going to pick up the phone at 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning for that customer that's in their pajamas. We'll get to them on Monday. But if the conversion rate really stops and we see that trend, then okay, let's find a part-time person to sit there Sunday mornings and return calls. Yeah. So we have done that before where, you know, one of our services really is developed around uh, waterproofing or water damage. So when we see that we've got six inches of rain coming in the forecast, we'll go ahead and coin the team and say, all right, listen, let's pull some shifts together because we're going to get a lot of phone calls Saturday and Sunday. How can we get together as a team to help that out? So That's great. I love that. Um, I think that's so important because as a as a boss, a lot of times you're you're you can be so focused on no, we've got to be answering the phones and you can just throw, hey, we you're answering the phones this weekend. Here's the here's the emergency phone. And I, I think the only thing that you're you're ruining is the culture of your team and the the okay. the, the, the vet, how much buy in you have from your team and the yeah. employees. And I think that's a great precedent to set. Well, Linda, we, um, you know, in looking, we, we've pushed our team really far and stretched them. Yeah. And then we've seen that threshold. Um, and then the, it, it's kind of like that old Seinfeld joke about maximum strength Tylenol. It's like, take it to the point it'll kill me and then bring it back a little bit. <laughs> so so oh, it's man. like, uh, you, you, we have to do that with our people. Yeah. say, you know, what are you capable of? But then when you start to see the bags under the eyes and the stress and, and friction, you got to pull that back. So yeah. uh, that's, a, I think, when we talk about guiding the business, you know, in the four stages, a culture is a huge one in there and making sure it's maintained because unhappy employees are just going to do really bad work yeah. for you. And the customer is going to see that and write a bad review. Absolutely. So, so I want to, and I know we're sorry. I got off topic of the marketing function, but no, right. I, I got if I have a, six bucks, get you a hundred. You don't even have to be good at that. Yeah, and that's on average. If you did one campaign, I may only get fifty. I may only get fifty cents back out of six dollars. Sure. But I've got some of those. I put, you know, six dollars in, and I get you know two hundred back. Right. And, so, and that's so important. And I, I want to bring it back to the channels because you mentioned like a portfolio. You have to be in different channels because if you are just saying, "Hey, I'm going to do marketing in, in on only Home Advisor or only Porch." Mm-hmm. You will get disappointed. You will say, I'm not oh, doing man. marketing anymore. I know so many contractors that have just burnt bridges with marketing in their mind yeah. because they focused on one campaign and they didn't it's an get expense, the results. expense, not an yeah. investment. I mean, it, today we have 47 different campaigns running. Look at, wow. I mean, and that is, and that's exactly what you want to be and, doing. And we pulled that back because, you know, there are times where, well, in our Northwest Arkansas market, we were booked out nine weeks to do an estimate. So that's a sign like, whoa, we're not going to make all these appointments. People are going to cancel. They're going to pick another contractor before we get out there. It's a waste pull of money it, at that point. Yeah, pull it back. So um, we know that by the KPIs, by seeing it. And we don't, we don't judge appointment backlog as a key performance indicator, but we recognized it and said, whoa, that's a problem. Yeah, and we're going to be taking marketing dollars, and we'll never see the return. So let's let's turn back the home advisor. Let's turn back the porch. Let's reel back our pay-per-click. You know, our television ads, let's ramp that down to a minimum. Um, so then that way our sales team can catch up. And then our recruiting, the focus goes to sales. Like, hey, you don't have enough salespeople. <laughs> and then um, 
so then because you can block that up to say you know we have to have people that are trained and capable to go out there and do an estimate and deliver on our brand promise so uh, that, that gets into a whole series of KPIs and I think as business owners we get really bogged down in trying to understand every finite detail I mean the pilot's not looking at all the instruments on the plane <laughs> uh, you know he's only looking at yeah. the ones that matter at the moment the one I, that's the red light yeah that's right the one that's beeping yeah <laughs> and, and keeping a close eye on the parachutes yeah yeah <laughs> but um you know give those kpis to that specific person and hold them accountable to that so yeah our marketing kpis are specific to ashley our marketing coordinator and you know we make sure that every week we talk about those and um say where are our net sales where's our spend and what's our cost per lead yeah how can i help you do your job better and we write that down and we try to find the resources or we stretch them yep um, and then we go to the next department and say, hey, what, here's your KPIs, where are you hitting to go? And then if you're not there, and, and by the way, this, this started out, to just simplify this, this started out at a kitchen table with my wife and my brother saying, so, um, you know, where are you at on these installs? Literally, and, um, I was trying to think when to bring this in because oh, it's I'm driving car. around in my truck and I'm doing 1.5 million a year and it's mostly me and I got a couple of good guys and if I hadn't built that one add-on, I would have only done 700,000 last year. And man, this guy has got it going on. Listen to that. <laughs> How the hell am I supposed to do any of that? So I wanted to bring it back to how does it start? and it you know, where do you get the data? And are you kidding me? I got to do sales calls tonight. I don't have time to go figure out what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, so I, I think uh, we use Google Suites still to this day. Yeah. It's a great platform to collaborate. We do have a customer resource manager or CRM yep. that helps really work it out. And and I, I think I mean, to I, I think it's incredible, the CRM that you have. That's what's allow, just to clarify for a lot of listeners, that's what's allowing you to really track a lot of the the conversion rates, all these different things, is if you have if you didn't have that, it'd be really difficult, right? And it's proprietary, right? I mean, um, we're not going to put it in the show notes because people can't get it. Yeah, it's actually funny. We are moving to a new one, which is out yeah. there in the market called i three sixty. It's a Salesforce huh? platform. Uh, we're transitioning in two weeks to that. We're not looking forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody likes software, so let's just put that out there. Like nobody says, "Boy, when I it really works, like, it's great." Yeah, I, I really like downloading all this new stuff on my computer. And so I think if we can all agree that software and learning software is not fun for anybody, but we have to do it. Right. Um, so we, we're transitioning into a Salesforce platform, which will help with our KPIs uh, and understanding them better. But you're right. I mean, if you want to go down the road at 100 miles an hour, you're going to have to get a sports car. You can't run on a moped. Yep. You know, um, that, that's a really bad metaphor for a CRM. But, you know, like HubSpot is really thorough. There's yeah. a lot of different functionalities to HubSpot. Um, you know, Salesforce is the largest CRM in the world. Yeah. And we're just taking one functioning or, I guess, interpreted model for that that's specific for contractors. Yep. So, which is I360. And there's a lot out there. there there's yep. tons of them. Um, so that's what's really giving us the data to go day to day and help with the administering of the business to say, hey, is this a good decision? Because I am, I, I'm one that says, hey, we need to drive sales. We need to grow 100% this year. Yeah. And we have done that. But also, 
it comes to a point where it's like, okay, but you don't have enough capital to buy trucks and train production to people do to work. do it. So there's that balance there. It's the yin and yang, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> except there's a lot of yins and a lot of yangs to business. But that's that's the balance that you have to, to pick. And I think we like to, to hear great growth numbers, like, hey, yeah. you, you went from 1.2 to 2.4, but there's also some balancing act there because you can do it in a very unhealthy way. It's major... Uh plug my book it's a major uh, premise in my back. Um, well i'm actually I'm thinking really it's well. probably about chapter eight i don't know yeah. but is that, that the one about the, the, the different reports well it's a cycle yeah. of business uh, the purpose of business is not to make sales that is not the yeah. purpose of business and it's mm-hmm. also not to make profit mm-hmm. it's to convert cash into more cash to do that you need to run through sales and you need to run through profit but if you've got as an article i had today came out Guy's got four hundred thousand dollar or net profit and seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. This is true. Mm-hmm. Seven hundred eighty-five thousand of accounts receivable, double his profits tied up in loans to his, and he he's not going to. But he could die from that. Yeah. So the whole cycle all the way through. So you yeah. want to power in on sales? That's what everybody talks about. But. Yeah, and, and to put it out there, it, you know, I've been in that one hundred and twenty days past due mark before so i mean you mean I, that you owed people or they yeah, owed you i owed them and yeah. vice versa well no that's okay so it's like uh you know you I, i've been there and it's like hey we made a profit but actually if you look at it in accrual you've lost seventy thousand yeah. dollars so you can get there if you try to aggressively push the top into that business too fast that marketing and sales gear without getting your quality assurance down making sure that you yeah. have the capital investment to where you know, you're financing everything, your balance sheets are ruined and all of that. So I just want to make sure everybody knows, you know, it is okay to take, it's just not in my DNA, but it's slowly becoming that way due to my wife. It's okay to grow 20% every year. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like, no, we can grow 70, but she reels me back. She's a very good balance to our company. So, you know, I, I would say if you're a contractor and you're working with your spouse, admire that function because I think it's better off than me sitting across the table from a stranger that wouldn't truly be honest with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that, that's a that's a really healthy point in our business that hasn't always been healthy. So, and sorry, I'm not trying to make this. No. You're great at fixing foundations. No, it's important. Marriage I would, counselors. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's so many. That's why the, the yeah. term out there, mom and pop. Uh, there's a reason that people yeah. say that they're. Magnificent companies that way. It reaches a point where it's kind of hard yeah. for mom yeah. and pop to handle it. But so oh, yeah, I think what would be helpful. I mean, we can tell this story for five days if we really wanted to. But I think it'd be helpful to really dive into the four areas and go one at a time and just ask some really concrete questions that can give us some nuggets. So um, you have told us kind of the story of coming to Oklahoma, and if we start with guiding the business, if you had to say, you know you've kind of given us what your vision was for coming to Oklahoma. But if you had to tell somebody how to develop that vision for what they want to do, what would you tell them? Yeah. So, I mean, if your goal is to grow your business, I think it's important. Like, you know, I, I ran a marathon mm-hmm. and the reason I did that is I thought, I thought it was really important. And by the way, just so everybody knows, I'm not in shape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I, if I wanted to, I, I think my spirit animal would be a panda. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, <laughs> I needed my kids to see that you can do incredible things. That's you can great. challenge yourself that. to do stuff. So when I look at a business vision, it needs to be big and it needs Good. to be 
you know, our vision for Oklahoma, and one of the reasons we picked Oklahoma was because we wanted to centralize and have five, six offices someday. And administratively, we can function our overhead easier in Oklahoma than we could at Dallas Metro. Yeah. You know, I can staff a really talented leadership team here for 30% less than I can at Dallas mm-hmm. or a, you know, pick a big city. Um, but anyway, that, that that's where that is. So I'm really bad at keeping that in my head. A lot of times my team will tell me, like, because I'm just, I see three, five years down the road. Yep. So to help with that, we do have annually three to five year vision planning sessions with our team that says, hey, this is where we're going. And That's the a, next thing I was going to say. How do you communicate with your team? Yeah, so, and there's some pucker moments during that. So we start with the leadership team and then... Sometimes when there's some wavering in the infrastructure of it, like I will draw an org chart using a basic, actually go open up Word right now if you've never done it. At the top, you'll see smart art and scroll down, you'll say hierarchy. (laughs) Yeah, and just do it. And then I'll map that out for next year. I think a lot of people, I, I got stuck with this a lot for the guiding is like, well, I see 600 employees in our business at some point. But that's not where we're at now. So I, my advice is just do it one year from today. What does your business look like one year from today? And do it constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because And then that's what I share with the team. If we sense some stagnation in our company, my production manager, for example, he knows, listen, we'll come in here, give a big hoorah, show everybody where we're going, yeah. and let them know that there's growth here. There's opportunity. Yeah, so tell me, I know that you do these annual meetings with your team, right? Where you make a video and you like celebrate oh, them and yeah. show like performers and goals and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and, and that's really tied into our culture. So, you know, we all have goals in our department, but sometimes we don't cross communicate those goals. So we have our annual kickoff event at, yeah. in January. And we try to put our team in a nice place because we're construction workers, you know? Yeah. We don't get to get in a suit and tie and look good with our spouse uh, every once in a while. So we, like this last year, we did it at a really nice hotel. Um, we negotiated the rates down. <laughs> and, but everybody got to come in. We gave out employee awards, but we also said, hey, here's where we're going this year. Yeah. You know, we're gonna aim for this many leads. Our sales department is gonna try to acquire this many sales. Our production department, they're going to do this much work, which means, hey, guess what? We got two new trucks coming. Yeah. And, you know, who's excited about this? And we get everybody pumped up because, I mean, we don't wake up in the morning saying, man, I can't wait to go dig that hole. You know, yeah. it's like the whole, uh, there's a story about, you know, the, the guys building the cathedral. And yeah. one guy's like, it's hot outside, it's hard, it's backbreaking work, and I'm working on this cathedral. And the other guy says, yeah, I'm building that cathedral. People are going to come worship here. It's going to be awesome. It's kind of like that start with why book with Simon. Um, So, you know, we try to convert it into the why. Um, So we do that and and that that has a shelf life. So every quarter we have to do that. And this year threw a ringer in it because we typically get our team in a very relaxed, casual space every quarter. But this year with COVID, we did it all online. But we hand-delivered like steaks to each of the team members. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Because it used to be everybody could pass one another in our very little sh- it's a very small shop so we, we there was some social aspect to our company yeah that went away and nobody really interacted with one another so we we did it all online through zoom and uh we announced our employees of the months again we we, yeah. we announced our leaders for you know who installed the most who sold the most very yeah. basic kpis here so uh, that's what really helps us bring in our culture 
Yeah. But also define, you know, Patrick Lanchoni, through one of his books, draws out a triangle and says your business has three edges. The hard edge is your financials, the numbers. Mm -hmm. And the soft edge is the people and the culture. And the base is your purpose. Why are you doing this? I like that. And, you know, it's funny. If you go too hard edge, you become a corporate monster and you don't care about people. But if you're too soft edge, then you're all sitting around a campfire singing Kumbaya and nobody's getting any work done, yeah. right? So we try to find in those quarterly meetings a balance between all of that and bring everybody back to say, hey, listen, you know, Leander over here had a kid last month, round of applause, mm -hmm. like, hey man, congratulations. By the way, the team got together and they, they bought you diapers. <laughs> and it's just kind of, uh, that's these, the guiding is a constant finger on the pulse of our culture yeah. and making sure are we on that path because we have missed goals and it's really easy to get discouraged about missing goals and targets but then it's like okay well hey uh, well Simon Sinek wrote a great book called The Infinite Game I want this business to be yeah. here in six years book. and you know what decisions are we making with our team that says hey listen what's going to outlive us Yeah. sometimes it's pulling it back and rebuilding so, uh, and I, I, you've mentioned this, we, or Martin brought it up, but the, the machine where you put in $6, you get 100 out through your marketing and sales. I, I'd like to, you know, not argue, but also add that you can do the same thing with leadership, with guiding the business. Yeah. Because you just mentioned renting out a hotel, delivering steaks, you know, making these awards. You guys make a video with this mm -hmm. every year. I mean, you put money into that. And I think a lot of people are scared to do something like that because it wasn't just a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny. We, um, I'll skip to administering the business. <laughs> okay. So a lot of problems. If you're having problems with cash in your business, you're not going to be able to fully concentrate on these things. It is. I think you use the term oxygen. Is that it? Yeah. Mark? If uh, sales and profit or food and water, cash is oxygen. Yeah. So, um, you know, somebody one time said, you know, if it's a priority, you need to schedule it in the calendar. I think that's Tim Ferriss. Like if you want to do yep. something specific in your life, schedule it. So to do those things, we budget those. Yeah. Things. And so we financially write in every year culture events into our books. Now, some of these are not expensive. We just did one two weeks ago. It was a tough week. Temperatures were high, uh, both in the environment with the temperature outside, but also in the, the culture of our production team. So we went out and spent $60 on a bunch of ice, bunch of beer, hot dogs, and charcoal. And we just sat out there on Friday afternoon and, you know, I was, we were there to hand them stuff and give them a cold beer. So that, but that came out of our budget. Yeah. So one of the areas that, because we have gone very cash skinny in our business, it, it's like a set of lungs that expands and contracts. Um, we follow, um, Mark, you and I have talked about this a lot. We follow accrual accounting principles, but we also, we have an envelope system followed after a book called Profit First. Yep. So money comes in to an income account and it distributes the virtual envelopes. Yeah. So that way we have money into income, to our vendors, into savings, and then also into operations and taxes. So yeah. we never are spending that money. So we know that we get to spend in portion for our culture out of our savings. Um, so like right now we have six payroll cycles in savings. So that way if something happens, we know we can shut down and still pay our employees mm -hmm. for 12 weeks. Yeah. So 
it's a lot easier to make cultural decisions when you have that. Now, does yeah. that mean it goes away? No. This last week was a good example. We did a bunch of work, but we only collected 20% of it. <laughs> so it's like, oh, wait, whoop, gulp. We yeah. got to go fix this. Yeah, what but is that looks completely different with uh, 12 weeks of payroll in the bank than it does when you don't. Yeah. yeah so I mean, there's no this, single greater predictor of peace yeah, of mind. Back to the being open on Sunday, answering the phone call. Well, we can do that because we've set aside, like, we're not so desperate for a dollar. Yeah. That, uh, you know, we can make that happen. So when, when we talk administering, um, you know, that's, I, I would be, it would be poor of me to not bring up the yeah. value of that system. Yeah. It's, it, it's changed the entire the profit first. company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and it allows us to make decisions based on our core values, mm-hmm. not, hey, we really need to, you know, get this job done and cut corners. And, absolutely. And we don't have those. Yeah. So. Um, so going back to that machine with culture and with the guiding the business and putting, I know you're putting money into it. I'd argue that sometimes it's priceless what comes out. Yeah. I mean, even you, yeah, from the subjective standpoint of like, wow, like we're getting to honor someone's new child, you know, and like help them uh, feel like they've got a meaningful job and feel comfortable in, in their lifestyle and stuff like that. But even from the aspect of like, we're playing that infinite game. We're not. Yeah. We're not playing the finite game. I think that's when it really comes out. So let's um, let's talk about getting the business. We have touched on this quite a bit. We know that you're in forty-seven. You said different channels. Uh, yeah, uh, forty-two. I think 42. campaigns right now. Campaigns. We may ramp that up, and when we really need it, like December, yeah. people just don't want us in our home. But we will ramp that up. Right. Who's, who's running all that? Choosing is that you? Um, well, Ashley, you know, Marketing I, I give some guidance to that, but Ashley really, she's, she's the go. one pulling the levers, pushing the buttons. Yeah. I do outsource some of it, and that's okay as a contractor. Absolutely. You know, if you don't feel like you can negotiate. But is a, Ashley choosing the channels? Uh, yes. Okay. And, and she will play around with it, and during our weekly check-ins, she'll say, hey, we're going to try this venture, like uh, RSVP, which is a direct mail campaign. Uh, how's the artwork look? What do you think? Here's yeah. the numbers. Do you see any holes? And, you know, we're like, no, everything's good. Let's run it. Mm-hmm. And then three months later, we're like, boy, this really isn't panning out. So is there better places for our money? Yeah, let's pull it out and let's put it into a boutique magazine in downtown Tulsa. Sure. So uh, it, it's that mixing. And you, just this conversation that we just had in the last 20 seconds, that's as fast as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because, I think that's important. you got to move fast. Like yeah. you, you don't need to sit here and deliberate for weeks about what to do. Just yeah. try something, and if you're going to fail, fail fast. Yeah, and, and you know we've got this big base, which ironically, uh, going back to getting the business, we do 47 home shows a year. I'm sorry, 52 home shows, festivals, street festivals, things like that a year, and all of that got wiped out by COVID. Yeah. So no home and garden shows, none of that. Mm-hmm. So we had to pivot. So where do you pivot? Well, ironically, go figure. Some of this sounds like it. You're interviewing some great mastermind. Some of it's <laughs> dumb luck, I tell you. So, yeah. Um, all of a sudden, people were pulling their marketing dollars out of television mm. because restaurants are not going to advertise. Yeah. Car lots that we're going to get shut down, they're not going to advertise. So next thing we know, the television at companies are calling saying, hey, we're going to give you bonus spots. What can you do? And we were doubling our show or frequency in television, yeah. Um, because they were 
starving. And um, people are watching TV during COVID. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got 15 pounds at over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I want to go back to this analogy of the portfolio for these channels because I think it's really important for people to understand that. We work with contractors and they see that, you know, they run Google ads for the first time. They see that it works and they're like, let's put more money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that works to a certain point, but there's it's a bell curve at a certain point because you're going to start stretching for different keywords that actually don't apply to your business. You've maxed it out. People are only searching for your business at a certain amount. And so you can't just throw all your money into it. Just like on social, you have a target audience on there. If you're not doing anything to that target audience, you're not getting anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you put $10 at it, you're going to see something, yeah. you know? But at a certain point, you start putting $100,000 into it, you're reaching people you don't want to reach. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that people understand that um, a marketing strategy is not in one channel. Mm-hmm. A marketing strategy is holistic, and you seem to have really nailed that. Yeah, and I guess I should have said this before, Khalil. I think you were probably asking for this answer, now it just popped into my head. Yeah. Sorry. So when I first arrived, I said, all right, I have $3,500. I need to get $30,000 out of business from it. 10% marketing budget is what, what I had at the time. So I was like, where am I going to spend it? I'll, all right, I'm going to slice off 800 and put it in Home Advisor. I'm going to do 500 and put it in the internet. And then I'm going to go negotiate. Um, by the way, you can do this. I negotiated a print media and said, listen, I'll give you a specific number and a, a, a URL and I'll pay you per lead. Um, and then, so the first month we had five campaigns. Yeah. It was not complicated. Uh, one of those campaigns was a home and garden show. Yeah. So I had to slice off, you know, $1,000 for a booth and stand in the booth. Um, which, by the way, you know, if you don't like doing that, hire somebody to do it and go enjoy, you know, a cold one at your pool or something. <laughs> but they're probably better at it than you are anyway. So, yeah. um, so I would just say you've got to dedicate a specific dollar amount and just make a promise to yourself that you're going to diversify and see if it works. And if it doesn't, I, I typically don't wait longer than three months. Yeah. Uh, it, but you're also not waiting to prove it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's only getting me three leads out of three months. Yeah. Real quick. quick uh, right. Me. But you're not just wait. You're not just doing one week either. Yeah. yeah. You're not waiting like three days. Like, where is it? Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and I think it's as simple as also just asking when they call. Hey, how yeah. do you hear about us? Yeah. Um, and that can go into a Google Doc. Yeah. That says Mrs. Jones, home advisor, you know, Dr. Stephen, you know, Valpac. And, and again, that's going into your CRM, right? That's correct. And I, well, it I, is now, but you're just saying if you don't even have a CRM, capture the data. Yeah. Well, and my simple. point about CRM, um, you know, we're going to talk about admin, and I know that bookkeeping is majorly important to you and your business. Obviously, if you've heard Martin ever talk, he can't keep books out of his vocabulary. <laughs> but I, in, in my view, CRM is the bookkeeping of your sales and marketing. And if you're not doing, if you don't have a CRM and you're not maintaining it, then you you don't know your numbers, essentially, um, metaphorically, for your sales and marketing. It just, it's not there. Well, and it's interesting. Oxygen is, you know, cash. And technology is quickly becoming your blood. (laughs) It really is. You have to have it to even be able to have a function. And, And it's, you know... Construction is known as one of the most slowly evolving industries yeah. that there is. So, and I just look around at what, what, how we do business today versus even five years ago is tremendously different. It's um, crazy. 
it, it's awesome. I think I look at it and I think, boy, we're going to have some pretty cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Yeah. I mean, we're doing appointments over Zoom now. A year ago, I would have said, you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> I got to look at a customer. That's getting in the, the old transaction cost. Well, yeah, that might have been hard to instill. COVID did us a favor in that regard. Yeah. I wanted to ask real quickly before we move on. You said you had a 10% marketing budget. Who, how do you set your budget for marketing now? You've, you've re- referenced that you, you've you gone up and you've pulled back and all this, but just basically, do you, are you tagging numbers like yeah. 10% of? or? So because I want to keep to true accrual numbers, I will look at my past month's revenue and say, accrual okay, revenue. yeah, accrual build, revenue, build meaning what did we physically bring through the door in an accrual fashion? And we, we started the year out at an 8% target um, marketing budget. marketing budget of top line revenue uh, bottom line bottom line yeah because we wanted to work with of, actual of earnings yes not and okay not sales like yeah not gross profit like what came to the bottom line you wanted eight percent of that that's correct so huh. right now um, we've gotten to the point where you said well okay we're already at our lead target and if we're spending eight percent why would we spend more why don't we reel it back a little bit? So yeah. now it's, I got to tell you, it's funny, it's it's at 2% right now in Arkansas. My, yeah, that's what you are saying earlier, I think, and you're still getting your nine weeks out on leads or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and we had that opportunity here where actually we got booked out in our local market here seven weeks for just an estimate. So we said, all right, pull the marketing back. But also the reason we did, and rather than pushing the gas, and this is really on that getting the business and how closely tied to doing the business is, is we looked at the capacity of our production team and said, there's no way they can scale. And also we didn't want to spend the capital for new trucks, new tools. Yeah. And that, that's where the all three of these areas, they really, when they're dovetailing together, you start to put it together. Um, and uh, so we said, listen, we really don't want to spend $80,000 on a new truck with tools and all of that and put an unqualified crew in that truck Yeah. just to keep up with the demand in our market let's keep our eye on the North Star and, and let's just focus and let's bring it back. If we spend less money, great. As long as the bottom line is showing a healthy number, we live to fight another day. Yep, it's um, great. And, and that's where we kind of do get a little short-sighted. I'm, I don't like to think of things short as a week or two, mm-hmm. but I do like to think of things in two to three month blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the year, if I don't hit my annual numbers, but I look back and I say, hey, on the quarterly adjustments, yeah, we actually we, we did all right. I, I can live with that too. Yeah. So, sorry, we talked. About no, that no, that's good. That's sorry. good. That's really good. So, um, tell us the difference for you guys. Like, I know that um, your sales team is top notch. You guys are really solid. I mean, a thirty five percent conversion rate is great, in my opinion. So, what uh, what's the difference between someone who buys and someone who doesn't? Whenever you say they go on a sales call, they've got an appointment. What's the difference for you guys in a customer? So for us, I feel like if we have a customer that buys and that the difference is, is we didn't do something right in our sales process. Yeah. So that fails to buy. That fails to okay. buy. Meaning we either did not identify their true motivations for wanting to fix the problem mm-hmm. or handle the objections that would help them come to a buying decision. So now there are some other qualifiers in there like Maybe we got out there and they didn't own the home. We accidentally <laughs> met with a tenant. It does happen. Yeah. Um, so that we would go back to our call center 
who we call customer care and say, hey, we need to be sure we're asking, do you own the property? And yeah. So we, we've got some of those weird um, exceptions, but sure. they do occur. And we mark that in a percentage of our conversion. Yep. But the true issue that we have is we are in a, I guess you would call it a needs-based business, but you could be in, you could be in roofing, you could be in fencing, um, you could be in kitchen cabinets. I mean, the the we're still in an emotionally driven sale. Yeah. Meaning, the customers don't buy, you know, a they don't buy piers or foam injection from me. They buy, you know, last some last October, I saw little Timmy run up in his Buzz Lightyear outfit to go trick or treating, and he tripped and he got a bloody nose, and I had to look at him and look at his parents, and I just can't live with myself. So that's the reason that customer bought our because they need the crack out of their driveway. Yeah. Um, and you know, we talk about the why uh, is what we call it. If that happens, we didn't find the true motivator and yeah. why they purchased. And is that happening at the call center level or at the sales level, the motivation part? Yeah, so it happens at the sales appointment. Okay. And so it's funny, this is why I say you can get bogged in a lot of KPIs. So out of our sales, 62% of them close at the table. Uh, so you have to do a lot of things right to make that happen. Yeah. And then we have this fall off after, Yeah. which we said, okay, well, let's go back through and say, so these customers didn't buy. And so we look at our CRM. Yeah, and it shows us how many times we followed up, and a lot of them were just never being followed. Nobody up ever on. called so, them back. So it's funny. I, I knew this, but it shows you how naive I am, even to my own systems and processes. Sometimes, is I took one of my sales reps that had call center experience, mm -hmm. and I said, Jerry, I want you to sit down here, and I just want you to call these hundred customers, and then ask them if they made a buying decision. And if not, what can we do to help them? And he closed three sales just by following up. So it created. I mean, that's a huge. Yeah. That's a huge lesson for contractors. Yeah. They are not answering the phone. They're not picking up the phone to call people. I mean, I have. That's I the biggest thing. Currently, have a client, and I love him. He's kind of in a new business. Been doing it three years, but it's a big deal to work over the winter. Mm -hmm. And so he's out hustling these deals, and so I caused him. Basically, he's got a spreadsheet CRM, okay? We're not into everything yet. <laughs> Look, he's got 35 bids that he went, measured, designed, turned out. And he, matter of fact, I'll see him tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. We don't even know what day this is. Uh -huh. And it, I will be on him like a duck on a June bug. To yeah. Call him back. Last time I talked to him, he'd called three back. Yeah. So you've done all the work. Stop. And sent it to yeah, him, yeah, and, yeah, we, and we they didn't lead. call me. Well, yeah, pay, he literally pays for his leads too. But then he goes out, comes back, does a bunch of design work. These, well, you do design work, but, uh, and then sends them out, and he call back. So anyway, it makes it easy on me because I know what we're working on. We're working on calling people back. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I think you said this in the past, Martin. Like, if you can just be the communications company, that's that's a USP uh, yeah. for every business. There yeah. Is. yeah, I mean, that would fall under that. Like, yeah. we're not following up, yeah. and, and that wasn't anything fancy. If you're worried about, like, well, do I want to add that to my overhead? Which we do track our full-time employee rate revenue yeah. versus full-time employee. But you know, I just said, Jerry, let's just try it out. Listen, for the days that you're here, I'll pay you, you know, a hundred bucks. And you know you can keep 
your commissions for your other sales or whatever the case is. But that, that just identified a, we were just experimenting with it. And I've seen other companies do it really well. We just were not doing it very well. So we said, okay, go ahead, just try it. And if it works, great. So now I'm like, you're not running any other outside leads ever. And I looked back and I looked back at the last three years and said, oh my goodness, we've got 12,000 leads. You know, we need Learned. to pull all these yeah. back in and say, and at least if they went with another company, let's just mark it out and say they went with another yeah, company. Then you know. yeah. And then say, why? Is it price or was it? Well, if they didn't go know? with somebody else, then that foundation is unlikely to have healed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So, or, or the kitchen cabinets all of a sudden just became shiny and new again, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it, it pick your industry, it's but, the same thing. And I, I love that you've, you've mentioned this call center because I think, and you said customer care, but with the CRM, it, it, your CRM should be touching your sales, should be touching your marketing, and it should be touching your service, uh, your care. And I think that people are sitting here thinking, you've got a call center? What the heck? So maybe just give us an idea of what that started as. And it was probably your cell phone, I'm imagining. But what did it transition into? Yeah, so it actually was... Um Sydney, my wife at first, yep. and uh, she's really good at managing call centers and administering the business. So um, she was very good at handling a call, but also, you know, there's enough services now that you can get on your phone to where you can do a warm transfer mm -hmm. from a landline to your cell phone. Uh, Google does that, Jive, we use Jive right now for a yeah. voice over IP service. Uh, if you don't know what that is, Google it. Yeah, VOIP. I'm the king of ADD googling stuff all day. So we use uh, Dialpad, which has been super awesome. Okay, uh, but it's probably very similar to Jive. That so, um, you know, I need to look that up because I even see some complexities in Jive that I'd love to see it simplified. But so when we started getting to the point where it's like we're losing calls because we're on the other line, that's that's your first indicator of saying, "Whoa, wait a minute." Yeah. So now it's, I mean, you can to give you the big picture, dialing it in. We started saying, okay, let's see if our conversion rate changes by bringing in an office person. It got better. And then we noticed that trend again where we're getting in hold messages uh, or hang ups. And because we just didn't get to the other line quick enough. Mm -hmm. So we added another person. And we said, well, wait a minute. Why don't we do this? During office hours, we don't give them an option for a hold message or, or a, a voicemail. We put a recording and it says, hey, thanks for calling us. By the way, our call center reps are getting ready to accept your call. We just want to tell you how thankful we are that you called us today. And it's a message that delays it by 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then, then the phone starts to ring. <laughs> and then what's happening is, is they're just getting, we're giving our call center a breather to get to the phone line. And then if it says, if they need to go to um, hold, we come back up in a recording and say, hey, by the way, if you don't know much about it, we're going to send you a book on your appointment describing, you know, the problems and a picture of your inspector. So they're just little snippets and like little mini commercials that keep Buy that customer on the line. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's the It's what picture. you experience when you call any large corporation. I mean, well, they do the same thing. You're illustrating another thing that's a precept in everything. It's the little things that count. Yeah. Because people listen to, well, 5.5 million of sales and he's spending 10,000 a month on that's all looks bad, but sometimes it's just the damn phone call yeah. <laughs> or the message that you put up there. Hey, thank you for calling. We're getting, we're preparing t to uh, take your call. I've never heard that phraseology till this moment. Mm -hmm. It's your call is valuable to us. That's why we're leaving you on the phone. Well, it, it, what made me feel so silly is looking at it. When we did it, we were like, we could have done this when we had three employees. Yeah. 
I mean, it was that simple, and yeah. I just felt kind of like a Neanderthal, a primate brain being. But anyway, it was just like that. That is really simple, and that could be that hold message dialing into your cell phone. Yeah. Um, and you're just on the you're you're busy hooking up a sprinkler line or yep. something and just can't get to it. And then you know you so if you are that one man technician, there there is an escape. It's it's just baby steps. So and and today, how many people in customer care, customer call center? So we have uh, four, counting yeah. the manager, and we we actually just recently siloed them into specific areas or touch points. Mm. So one is specifically dealing with new appointments and yeah. for sales. One is dealing with logistics, so production scheduling, scheduling yeah. special needs, permits, utilities. Uh, another one is dealing with service and overflow into sales. Yeah. And then the last one is inside sales. Yeah. So um, that's the I, guy that you were talking about. Yeah. So um, it's like, boy, we're going to go ahead and create that seat yeah. right now. And, um, I, and, I, and I think that's what allows you to capitalize on like the paper lead channels, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, because you have to call right away. And if you don't have, you, you're you not going to be able to call right away, but someone on the yeah. customer care team is going to have the dashboard for Home Advisor open and it's going to yeah. ping them and they're going to call within 30 seconds, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, it, it's within 30 seconds to a minute. And, you know, we see that if we don't get to it within two, it's gone. Yeah. There are other programs to Home Advisor, like uh, they have a, I think it's called Home Advisor 360, where, I mean, you can be the only person on that call. You're going to pay, pay $400 a lead or something. Yeah, you pay a higher lead rate, and you have to be able to have enough sales capacity to accommodate all the leads they're going to give you. And right. it's funny, we did that for six months, thought we, we measured the numbers and said, this is not the best way to do it. So we reverted back to the old system because yep. uh, we converted more and sold more at a higher ticket. So and you know, well, I, think, think, I, I would say the reason for that is probably because people know that they're getting choices. They're getting options. Yeah. And if they're just doing a 360, they feel like, uh, I want a variety, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, and, uh, so they're for bigger companies out there that can accommodate, you know, 200 leads from just home advisor. They're out there and they have those programs. You just have to ask for them. Um, yeah. And boy, they're gobbling up everybody from Angie's list to all sorts of, have you done, uh, I'm curious, have you done Google local services at all? It's um, the paper lead version from Google. Yeah, we, we have a function of that, and um, it, it's at a very low budget right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we even looked into the Amazon services, but just, yeah. we didn't even pursue it. Um, but there will be a point where I have two sales reps sitting around doing nothing, and I, we're going to push those yep. campaigns that we we otherwise put on the, the back burner for a little bit. We're, mm-hmm. We'll bring those back up and push them again. So uh, yeah. it's just a matter of expanding and contracting the, the capacity of our team yeah and, and you know a lot of contractors i think about that they're, they're probably sitting there thinking like man i don't want someone to call up my follow-ups i can't even keep up with my work yeah but you know when we it's funny talking about doing the business we purposefully to help with winter we push our backlog out two to two and a half months purposefully um, right yeah and because sales will go up and down and we want our install revenue to be as consistent, like a local. Keep the guys working and all that, and yeah. profitable. Yeah, you get retention, you get refinement, and the ability of those people uh, to yeah. install that work. Uh, your foreman, you know, things yeah. like that. And, and we we still suffer from turnover and things like that, and we try to recognize it and see if there's an issue. But um, then, what, I mean, we find that people typically don't cancel. <laughs> if you push them out well, two and a half months. Well, especially if you're in the sale, if you have a good sales process, you're asking, hey, what is your time on this? Well, I'm not really in any rush. 
And then you're sitting there thinking, oh, wow, we are pretty slammed right now and they're not really worried. I don't want to have a bad customer experience. I don't want to stretch my team and I want work this winter. Let's schedule it for well, two and a half months element, later. Uh, it's like price. Uh, there's an element of validation to being backlogged. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Wow, he's so popular. You yeah. Well, and it's also this dovetails. Have you done the identify your ideal customer exercise? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. defining so, a persona. Sorry if I gave it away. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> no, no that's what we're doing so, here. You know, give all of it. Yeah. Away. So, like, my ideal customer is not someone that wants that repaired up tomorrow. Yeah. So that yeah. automatically takes, and, and this is not bad mouthing the real estate business. No, we're trying to sell the house says, and it's listen, cracked and I can't close till it's fixed. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to be the cheapest and I'm not going to be the fastest. So that sounds really bad, but we're not. So that tells us that type of customer we are not going to put on the front lines yeah. to help them because they don't fit our ideal customer. So. Well, I would, I would argue that it's not just about identifying your ideal customer. It's about setting your values. It's about knowing who you are. Because as soon as you start to try to be the cheapest or try to be the fastest, yeah. you sacrifice yeah. what you really believe in. Unless that's who you are. If you're playing that game and you know that's who we are, we're going to be the fastest and they're going to pay a premium for it. If that's yeah. what you do, that's fine. But if you're trying to accommodate those customers and you're not willing to create that backlog, all it does is show an insecurity in who you are and you need that sale more than they need your service. Yeah, that's, that's funny. I've got a competitor a friendly competitor and that is their model it is like we will be there the fastest than anybody else so i give those leads to him uh, yeah and then he's got appointments that are totally outside of his wheelhouse where it's like i don't exactly. know how to address this specific problem so here you go we'll go after it and then uh you know it, it, there are those things it's kind of interesting because you do get into this competitive nature as a contractor like you just want to get all the business and there's more than to enough to go around yeah, and I, I would say that I know that there's a limited number of people that need my services every year. So that means, okay, we got to get better at our average dollar per lead, and we got to get better at yeah. closing, and then we got to get good at marketing. Now, it is funny, we did develop a service department this last year because yeah. there are cases where a customer calls and says, hey, I see a crack, I think something's wrong. Well, what we typically find is that's they did not purchase a product from us during that first estimate that's likely on the recommendations notes. So it's like, okay, we'll, we'll come look at it. And if it's wrong, we will fix it. But if it's not, we're gonna try to sell them the services again. So that's a reactive yep. service. And then we have proactive where it's like, hey, we did this structural work for you a year ago. Why don't we come out and take a look at it and make sure it's good. And then now we're not having to acquire that customer again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's funny, This our concrete services Turn, took this weird turn where it's like, all right, so it sounds weird. I'm not trying to get way, way over the top here, but you know, we got this like Netflix culture, like just take it out of my account every month. So now we have a service department. It's like, we call it our best of care club and we'll warranty everything for life. We'll come out every year. We'll power wash your driveway. And by the way, it's $14 a month. So then they just, they sign up for it. And every year we just send somebody out and they say, Hey, by the way, while I'm out here, I noticed that you've got uh, a crack in your garage wall. Would you like me to get one of our inspectors out here to check it out? And what we're doing is, is paying you to make a sales call. That's, <laughs> I love that. We're wanting to make sure that we own that house, right? Like that right, account, right. yeah. Because our customers aren't just sprouting out of the ground. I mean, they are if we're looking hard enough. But in order for us back to the 
the vision of the company yeah. for us to become this multi $10 million juggernaut in the market, we've got to get refined at those little things. Mm -hmm. And that, that's an infant project in our company right now that's just showing so much promise. Well, yeah, me. I mean, because what you're selling there, just like I don't want to think about renting a movie and driving to Blockbuster, they don't want to think about taking care of their house because they have a million other things to worry about. If they're like, oh, $15 a month, you'll power wash my driveway. Anytime I have an issue, you're here. I, it feels like I'm in a club, an exclusive club, and I don't have to worry about my house anymore. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's funny. I, I probably stole that from the HVAC guys or something. I mean, those, oh, they do that all the time. Awesome yeah. industry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. plumbing, HVAC. I mean, even electrical. Like, if you did a light bulb service or something. Well, I guess now these gutter companies are doing Christmas lights. You know? They, yeah. Oh yeah. It's just so. I look at those industries. And I think, wow, that's so creative. Yeah. Uh, and that, that brings up a a good thing. Or you know, a, a plumber that pays a lot for his leads and even lose, loses money on his leads, but then upsells. Um. Oh. Oh. This is, uh, I, I really can't we need to let out, out anything. Way. Yeah, he, uh, this guy way. works for national companies, okay? I'm not saying he National accounts that send accounts, leads. National accounts. And, uh, man, I really don't want to um, over, over identify here, but this is a real number it's a warranty kind of deal so it goes out to your house and your hot water tanks out and they pay him 127 dollars to go out there mm -hmm. to fix it mm -hmm. not 127 to look plus at. a plus a hot water heater plus the pipe you get 127 dollars and so i worked with this guy for a long time no i didn't the figurative person that i worked with for a long time <laughs> i said what the hell Water, what's it? He said, well, we can buy those water heaters pretty cheap, about 490 bucks. I go, they're paying you 120. You're running a guy out there. You're putting in a 425 or whatever I said, $450 water, plus all this stuff. And then he keeps really good margins. I mean, so I know he's kind of like you. I know the margin on every plumber every week, right? Mm -hmm. And his margins are the best I've ever mm -hmm. seen. That's why. Just throw out a really good margin in your in your opinion. Gross margin? Yeah, gross profit yeah, margin. Like 50%. Better. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I said, how the hell? He goes, well, that's what we do. Yeah. I said, it's upsell, fine stuff. Uh, nobody's getting ripped off, I mean, but they go in there and. Yeah. Hey, you got get, this. You got this. Yeah, yeah. But they get paid $127, dollars $124. To put in a four hundred and fifty dollar item that they have to pay for, and they wind up with margins that are well above what you just said. Yeah, and they protect it blows that customer up. from going on a home advisor because it's yep. like, oh, while you're here, this toilet has been running. My wife's been on me for yeah. days about it. Just can you fix yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's a fluid. We got another one. Another one who uh, uh, they do it. They charge to go out there, which lots of people do that. Mm -hmm. uh, they charge to go out there, uh, but they give them something. Okay, there are other people that just $89 a month and, and we'll show up, you get priority, and we'll give you 10% off. Well, yeah. okay. This guy, they do something. They do an inspection mm -hmm. of the systems that they deal with completely. I mean, it's a real deal inspection. Yeah, almost like you which get like a home inspector. In yeah, which costs like five bucks literally in time. But there it is. They, gave, they got value right away. Yeah. And then, by the way, the inspection showed 
mm-hmm. that you need to spend twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> and we'll finance it through our lease. You know, yeah. whatever. Well, we've we've covered um, a good amount of guiding the business, a really good amount of getting the business, and we could talk about that for a long time. But uh, moving right along, doing the business. I think there's some we, we there's a lot of questions we could ask right from how you actually do the foundation repairs all the different services you offer inside of there but I I think there's some really cool things that you guys do inside your business that I think maybe I'm oblivious but I think are pretty unique like the way you set up trucks and oh. the stickers <laughs> I think that is phenomenal so maybe tell us a little bit about how that started and, and what exactly it is yeah so uh, we used to in a past life Sydney and I used to track freight or fleet and it's very mundane it's boring you know track you have, fleet uh yeah so you have 17 trucks out there and how do you manage their service oh where they okay trucks? okay track um, keep track of your fleet. yeah they're okay. kpis if you will so you know rather than having a serial number or a license tag number and those getting crossed up and the keys being wrong so we all of our trucks in oklahoma city are named after a marvel avenger <laughs> and then uh, Arkansas is ironically DC characters. So, okay. So we like here we've got Iron Man and Spider Man and Thor and ironically somebody I don't know how this happened Thanos the big bad guy <laughs> is one of our trucks and that truck has had more problems. <laughs> but uh, that's great. You know, so in Arkansas they have Batman and Superman. Um, so inside of that truck the tools have that sticker of that character's input wow. on the tool so like for example the the thor truck has a hammer on the front fender and then you go in and all the tools have that same hammer emblem yep and what it what does is, is when you go out there because if we're in the trades business you have a lot of tools yeah a lot and of tools and inventory way, way visual you don't have to read a number but it's also yeah. like in the mornings when all the people are there, it's like a high school, you know, you know, it's a meeting of all these high school kids and they're like, hey, I need that tool, can I have it? And they pull it off and you say, wait a minute, no, 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 this is on the wrong truck. So it's a very low tech and also a cultural significance yep. to our company. Because we have this new truck that we're getting ready to buy. It's a crew cab, 20 foot box, Massive truck. You can probably imagine its name will be a green one, Hulk. Uh, we'll have to put a copyright disclaimer at the end of this. But so they're all the crews are fired up about this truck coming. Yeah. So they're like, man, I can't wait to get this whole truck. We're and you see their performance getting a little bit better because they know some promotions are coming up. Um, yeah. It's kind of neat. So there, there's that, and um, we we took it a step further because we, you know, we we try to have fun with. One of our core values is intention. Mm. We don't want to do something for the sake of doing it. So we 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 want to have a meaning behind it. And part of that meaning is to be somewhat sarcastic and fun. So, you know, we realized, hey, we have these trucks that need to be tracked, so let's tag them. So then we noticed we were getting a lot of gas station trips, which is adding the labor. Yeah, so I remember this. I remember you telling me this. Yeah, so, okay, so let's go to Sam's Club and just buy everything that they're buying junk food wholesale and put it in the shop and just say, guys, have at it. We'll pay for it. Wow. And it's like ramen noodles, Pop-Tarts, Gatorade. So you're broccoli. killing your people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, slowly oatmeal and fruit. Okay, and yeah, water, yeah, and they run out pretty quickly. Huh? <laughs> and, and then what happens is, is we started seeing these little ancillary gas station trips end. Well, what we did, by the way, to help with the fueling is we'd have our warehouse guy go out four o'clock in the morning, and he fuels all the trucks because I can pay him 
just a handful of wages versus three man crews multiplied by six. Yeah. It, he it, drive him to the station or you got an oiler? Yeah, the nearest gas station. Okay, he take uh, okay. and yeah, to the seven eleven everybody else is going yeah. to. <laughs> but you know, he would do that, refuel the truck so the guys didn't have to refuel or get food. And then we saw our labor rates go down and everybody's like, Yeah, man, what why are we out of the guys get really upset about it sometimes like what We're happened Twinkies. to all the chocolate chip cookies? And yeah. it's like, yeah. all right, hold on, guys. We're going to get you chocolate chip cookies. Here, have a banana muffin. You know? And yeah. you, and you um, realize that, that that receipt at Sam's is a lot less than oh, all yeah. of the missed labor. You know, that's that one of have. the keys. Even if it weren't, mm-hmm. it's the one more job per week Yep. Yeah. at $5,600. One point, that's 20,000, 21,000, whatever. Yeah. Quick. <laughs> you know, a, um, a month. I, I, you're not buying $21,000 worth of donuts. Yeah. Well, and that's where, you know, you can slowly dial it in. So another area was we had a lot of pick time on our warehouse shelves. So we just created a stable. And, you know, I have a coin phrase at the office is like, if you can install $80,000 in one month as a foreman, you're a thoroughbred. Yeah. So we made these little what look like horse stables and all the product for the week is in there. And they just grab it out, and then anything they didn't use, they put back in. And my warehouse guide takes care of restocking, yeah, uh, or taking things back to Lowe's. That's the worst. Is you, you, you go in the back of the truck, you find all this stuff that was never used, and it's way beyond its return rate. So it's you, you get all of that out of there. We take care of it, and we get our money back from our vendors. So Mm. there's that, and then we measure our install volume per week, um, and that that can even break down to the days. So You'll see one crew is they can install three, three thousand to four thousand a day, and another one can do four thousand. Well, what are they doing differently? And um, that also tells you about scheduling. So that way you can also plan out our revenue targets to say, hey, if John over there can hit a certain number, well, let's give it to him rather than this crew, and let's train and work with them to get those numbers up. So yeah. then you you. Go ahead and you don't have to wait for the financial statement. You can already have a pretty clear idea of what you should hit. And much like the culture of budget in the, 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 the fees, go ahead and budget in some jobs going wrong. Because <laughs> mm. it does happen. It happens to us. So. Well, um, that's really, I, I love the way that you, you operate your fleets, your crews. I think that's a really unique way to do it. Um, what does, you know, communication and quality control look like just with techs on a day-to-day basis? Is that something that you're running? Is that something that you've got an operations manager yourself that's running all that? So uh, our production manager and logistics person will handle most of that on the doing the business. And they, we utilize GroupMe, which is a free app. Um, I know uh, there's a few other folks that we in this room respect a lot use, I think it's Trello and yeah. other pro- uh, mm-hmm. programs. We use GroupMe. We're about to switch to Podium. Oh, Podium's and, awesome. Yeah, and we, we're already using Podium to interact with our customers in the call center, but yeah. we're not using it as an internal chat function. But every day about 12, you'll just start hearing the pings, and the crews will say, at so-and-so's house on track, or so-and-so's help off track. Mm. And that goes ahead and notifies logistics to get on the phone with the customers following to say, hey, they're still working, yeah. they're running into some problems. Um, uh, or that also lets us know what resources do you need because one crew could be done early and we say hey Dakota reroute to to Junior's job site and let's get them back on track for help and listen when you come back I'll have a $20 bill for you and a, you know 
case of Cokes or something, or he likes Mountain Dew, so we have that. <laughs> um, so those are ways that we internally communicate with one another. And also, uh, we try to, there's a, an old saying, you know, you, you get more flies with honey than you do vinegar. So we find in collections, because when we get done with a job, we want to collect the check. Well, we go ahead and give the crews an extra $10 for every check they bring home. Yeah. Totally worth it. Receivables down. And it keeps our receivables way down, collections down. And so at the end of the month, we have less than 4% of our revenue actually held up in accounts receivable. That's awesome. Otherwise, it was our mistake. We we messed something Mm -hmm. up, and and which we're we're human. We screw things up. So then we have to reschedule and get that worked. So uh, that's one area that the foremen are really good. They they want that extra. I mean, if they're doing three jobs a week, some crews are doing 12 jobs a week. Mm. Hey, taking two hundred and forty dollars extra on your paycheck every week for bringing it. the check home—that's a pretty good for, deal for asking. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and you, you see that change their lifestyle and the way they look at things and efficiency, and that's what I really—I I think I really enjoy the most in the production side because that—that is one of our toughest positions. I mean, it's hard work, it's hot work, and you also have to have people skills. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it's like it's—it's. It's, a lot of different compounding things all at once. So to be able to reward people for that and reward excellence for that, that's really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, one thing I have to say is we have a great person in our office, Michaela, who's really good at like remembering the birthdays and special mm. things. So like when we hire a new person, we fill them out a form like, when's your birthday? What is your favorite soft drink? What's your favorite food? And on occasion, if we need to, she just goes to the file and pulls that out and says, oh, this is Dakota. He really loves Mountain Dew, and he loves um, Slim Jims. So before he even gets there, we got to pack a Mountain Dew and Slim Jims in a little basket saying, hey, way to go for completing that $22,000 I love that. Just personal in relationship. Yeah. yeah, and I'm really bad at remembering that stuff. She's really good at it. She embodies just wanting to be there for people and bringing teams And that's okay. It's just because you're bad at it doesn't mean you don't want to do it. Yeah, and what yeah. you did was you delegated it. You found someone in Michaela that it would be great at it and would also enjoy it. And it, and I think that's so important. Whenever you don't know how to do something well, mm-hmm. but if you really have the intention, like you said, find somebody else that's willing to do it and, and hire them for that job and fire yourself from it. Because it'll, one, get done better. You won't be stressed out and knocking your head against the wall like, man, why did I forget to do that? Well, and I, there's some of these things that butt out of just thin air. Yeah. Just because we've, we've tried to facilitate a good culture. And then I'll see something and be like, where'd that come from? They're like, oh, they talked about it last week. So they made a system out of it. And it's like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. That's I mean, you great. got some help. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's like, man, why didn't I think of that? You know, that's yeah. my job. But then again, that's ego talking. Uh, yeah. But, you know, somebody brought up the idea of having a yard sign for our employees to where when it's their birthday, go to their house and put the yard sign like this person, this great Vesta employee is there. Oh, so they don't know about it. They come out and it's there. They come home and it's just there. It's like, whoa, well, we just got branding out of it. Mm -hmm. We get customer or not customer loyalty, but employee loyalty because it's like, hey, they do care about me. Yep. And and little things like that. Somebody brought that up and I was like, wow, that's a great idea. Yeah. The yard sign costs 12 bucks. Yeah, let's do it. It's one time and, you know, in the event that you know you need to you pull the yard sign go put it in another house yeah change yeah. name <laughs> so yeah that's great there's a lot of little fun things we we've tried to do we, we're nowhere near where we want to be today but we, we're just little baby steps yeah well let's move on to admin the business um and talk about some some really important things but in a concise way so um how do you rate the quality of your books 
in general? And then why? What do they matter? Do they to you? So they they highly matter to me. I I used to get really bogged down into looking at it every single day. I do it every two weeks now. Why uh, is that? Uh, our financials, which would be specifically our profit and loss and balance sheets. Right. I know what you're rolling your eyes, Martin. I'm not rolling my eyes. Cash flows. Yeah. And I still, to, your, to the listeners, I say it under my breath, I'm still not good at the statement of cash flows. Well, you need to read my book because <laughs> I have what's <laughs> called the short take. Eight, right? Yeah. No, well, that's how <laughs> to do it is. Yeah. So we do keep a running cash flow document through Google Suites. Yeah. Dollars in, dollars out in a week. Um, when we're growing, big and we're growing top line sales our financials are pretty rough because we're yeah because you're growing pacing our production yeah. department but right now they're really healthy specifically we are our, our financials we we have great health and our gross profit margin and net what it really came down to is just measuring it and putting the numbers out there we also we try to be as open with those numbers with our employees as possible yeah we don't keep it under lock and key in fact and we, why well, because I think people need to see, I mean, they they maybe look, and Martin has done a great job mm -hmm. of this with our team as well, where they see that, hey, you installed 300000 this month. So they think, boy, the, the owner made 300000 this <laughs> month, right? Well, they didn't see the taxes and all of that. So we want to educate them on expenses and what yeah. overhead is. And, and really, like Robert Kiyosaki said, if you want to learn the specifics of a certain topic, you need to learn the language of that topic. Yeah. Like if you want to know about stocks and bonds, learn about the lingo. Yeah. So we try to train our team and hey, what is overhead? Because most people don't know. Um, most people don't even know what profit is. Right. Um, they know that taxes is a thing out there, but they don't know how much or where it goes. Yeah. Classifications. Um, consumables. Yeah. You know, little things like that. So we train on that. That has strengthened our financials or the administrative function. Yeah. And then the other part of the administrative function, I think, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at it, I would rate the quality of the books, you know, out of a 10, probably an eight right now. And I'm sure you're being a little hard on yourself, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> my team does this. We, we rate our meetings every oh, yeah? time we do a meeting. And I never give a 10. I'm like, it can never be 10. That means we're done. And we yeah. should close up shop and I'll retire and go to the beach. <laughs> so, you know, eight. Is, is I think a really strong number for us. Yeah. We could get much more clear on our cash flow statements like uh, Martin yeah. you know, talks about, which just, it's so fun. And you mentioned uh, you went to look at him every day to two weeks, and I like that. And I have my own reasons, but I'd love to hear from you. Why did you go from looking at your books every single day to then two weeks? Yeah, so um, I tie a lot of, like I'm sure most business owners, I tie a lot of emotion into mm -hmm. those numbers. And I'm an emotional train wreck if I'm looking <laughs> at those numbers every single day. Because it's, sometimes it's just about the timing of an invoice or a, <laughs> or, or a payable yeah. that makes those numbers look awful. So yeah. two weeks. And, you know, one thing that I think I, I enjoy most now is our balance sheets. Because we, we're over the hump of all of our startup inventory, and now we're, we're really gaining equity in our company. Yeah. And that number is a progressing number in a healthy way. Yeah. And I just like seeing that number get better and better. That's... And profit and loss is sometimes just all over the all place. All over. Like, you know, we, we, we mark all of our three payroll period months, and then but we realize, oh, crap, you can accrue the payroll. We, 
Yeah. <laughs> we, we were painstaking ourselves over months where we had three payroll periods. Because we're taking it in the shorts on that. Yeah. But you're not yeah. really. And then, you know, after figuring that out, I was like, oh, it didn't need to be that way. Well, I wish I could shake myself a year ago and say, hey, you know how you're an emotional wreck and you went home and kicked the dog? Well, don't be that guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's, like, it's like watching the stock market. Yeah, I mean, if you want to sit there and watch it That's for every waking minute, metaphor. you will yeah. oh, you yeah. will have a heart attack. Yeah, it's like these day trades. <laughs> but the other, do it. yeah, yeah. the other thing on on books, uh, I mean, it is not all that I care about in this world, but it's foundational. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't mean well, that when I said it. It's, it's the, the basis. Tribal. You got to know the score and how it's kept, and if you don't like it, you know, I got to know how to change it. But at least once a month, they got to be right, yeah. which means by the fifteenth of the following month. But you have to be able to see. And I see that all the time with contractors when we first look at their books. You made $100,000 this month. Yeah, I did. Wow, pretty cool. We look next week. Well, you lost year to date. Now you're down Mm 75000 Well, I don't know what, you know, it's matching what you're just talking about, the timing of an invoice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of of issues. But you got to be able to look at them once a month and, and know. And with the team, we realized as human beings, nobody wants to lose, right? So by taking a profit and loss and teaching our basic production employees about it and then showing them, hey, we made 5% or 12%. Yeah. You know, they're like, wow, I'm involved. And when it's negative, they really they take feel it to heart. They're yeah. like, man, we're not supposed to be losing. You know, my, uh, my CEO hero in this world is Jack Stack. Oh, hey, a great yeah. game of business yeah, and uh, stake in the game. And the reason he's such a great guy is he's uh, highly skilled in finance, manufacturing, and all these things. Mm-hmm. But he also is highly invested in his people, as you are. And he said, if I'm bringing these people in, I can work a finance deal and walk out of here with $100 million. Mm-hmm. Not his, his numbers, but walk out with a bunch, and these guys would be out of a job. I'm going to find a way that every employee in this place can own a house. And what he did was they all, they're in control of their numbers. Mm-hmm. He said, you want to see how it works? Well, the janitors hitting up the uh, accounts receivable clerks because their days outstanding collections are down. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. got to, seriously, a janitor sweeping going, well, how's receivables coming? We down from 31? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, or who the heck ordered all of these paper towels? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, and people understand. Yeah. yeah, and they participate. Well, um, to keep things moving, I mean, we probably don't have much more time, but the um, last question I wanted to ask you on the admin and the business side, and this is more so, probably not even on the business's entirety, but more so for your function. How much, give us like an average week for you. Like how much time are you spending on working on the production side versus the marketing side? What does a day look like? How many internal meetings? Those kinds of things. So I think what I'll do is I will rewind to January of this year because that, that has Sure, things have changed a lot. Um, so yeah, give us well, a normal well, week. It, also, not with just COVID, but infrastructure in our company okay. in, in a good way. So um, I would wake up Monday mornings and I sit in my production meetings at 7 and we go over technical training. We go over culture stuff. And then we have a sales meeting and we get those two departments working together because they typically don't talk very much, but we need to humanize them. And it also gets them talking about the jobs coming up for the week and the ones going out. Then the remainder of that day typically is hiring, recruiting, interviewing, and numbers. Um, And and yes, there are occasions where I have to take an escalated customer that's someone that's really upset. I, I need to talk to them. 
Now we've got a lot of systems that, that filter that, but it wasn't always that way. I, I always, I had to take all the upset customers. Yeah. But, so then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I actually go to Arkansas, which they're at a much lower level. They'll, they'll do about 1.7 this year, 1.6. So they, they need a little bit more administrative help, coaching, leadership. And I do that Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, I come back and we are in a round table leadership meeting of our company. Uh, going by department, you're either on track or off track. And we talk about it, we find resources, and then typically I have action items that come out of that. Hmm. So all Thursday is hitting those action items, and then Friday is all the stuff I never got caught up on. I also heavily load up with training and um, recruiting on Friday. So interviews, trying to find the right people is such a key part in our... And do you have someone else that's like full-time HR or no? Um, not yet, not but yet. that is on the horizon for next year. We can see that that cost is going to be, well, the Justified. time that we're putting into it, we could get better results right. by having someone paid X amount of dollars per year doing it for us and freeing up the time of all the managers. Yeah. So, because I'm not the only one that interviews, everybody does. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's what it looked like in January. And uh, now it's kind of funny. We've we set up our not only a, an org chart but an accountability chart of what everybody is responsible for. That's great. And you know, a lot of that you talk about uh, the Great Game of Business. That's an awesome book, as well as Traction, which mm-hmm. um, is about an entrepreneurial operating system that sets up people to say, "Listen, that's your job. Yeah. That's your responsibility." And that really strengthened our team, but it also pushed me out of a lot of roles that I'm really bad at. Hmm. And so now I'm I'm working on getting out of the sales management hat or seat. We've got a few candidates that I'm coaching and bringing up because I abdicated Martin. I'm smiling when I say this because <laughs> I've abdicated that role and it was a define. I know that well, delegate. We, I know we know that. Not, What's yeah. the difference in delegation versus abdication? Yeah, so I just in your eyes, get out of that department. So I was just like, here, you know how to do it. Just go at it. And then you know, I realized that they don't know how to coach people. They just know how to sell. Yeah. And then so I'm back in there teaching people how to take two stip- sticks, rub them together, make fire. But now I'm getting someone in to where I can say, all right, listen, you're going to be attached to my hip for three months. So that way when I hand it to you, you're accountable for all of the things in that chart. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's not complicated. Under sales manager, it says LMA for lead manage accountability, set production up for success, develop million dollar sales reps. And you know, uh, I think there's a few other things in there like- That they're responsible for. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what you're going to be responsible for. But now I'm more big picture function. Like uh, the day in my life now is we are moving out of a 6,000 square foot building into a 40,000 square foot It's a big building. change. Yeah. And we needed it. Yeah. We can't scale. So the only thing that would hold us from scaling is three things. Technology, um, leadership, and then um, really the people, the, the people function. Yeah. And in our industry, our talent pool is shrinking in construction mm-hmm. and it's becoming more competitive. So we have to be able to pull those people in and retain them and train them in something specialized. So all of next year, starting here this month, is just getting us in this new building and creating a state-of-the-art training facility. Yeah. We can bring someone in. I, I, I'm going to mention a name. That's uh, fine. Hilti. Yeah. It, Mm-hmm. They have a 15-year uh, average retention rate on their employees. Wow. 
they they train so well. I have two friends that work for Hilti, and they oh god, they spent like years doing just training. Yeah, and, and, and I it's a, amazing. I got brought into that culture. I was like, we were doing this so wrong. Like yeah. I, I just realized, man, I got to get really good at this. And yeah. uh, we we if anybody listening, I would suggest touring their facility in Tulsa. Oh, really? Uh, and just seeing how they do these hands-on onboarding and trainings that take months and years. Yeah. And I said, boy, that's what we need. To, yeah. In order for us to have five, six offices and several hundred employees. It's going to have to happen. I can't do that until I do that. Yeah. So I'm being removed from a lot of those functions so I can focus on those. Well, that's what I'm focusing on. And if you read the traction book, there's this visionary integrator role. My wife is a state-of-the-art integrator. So since putting her in that seat, our business is running so smooth. Well, you asked me, what is the quality of our books? <laughs> it's good because I got out of it and Sydney's yeah. doing a great job at it. But I, I'm just meant to just, uh, in other words, pump people up, generate ideas, execute ideas, and make sure that Sydney filters all the bad ones out. <laughs> For every one good idea, there's nine bad ones. Yeah. And that, that's really the infrastructure now. Good. Um, and, which well, allows me to do fun things like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk with Mark and Khalil. Yeah. And, you know. Um, Ethan, we're here in a second. Here in a second. Sorry, he's, boy. He's, we yeah. have to do like 90 minute yeah, recap. For sure. One, we'll just press rewind and then do yeah, it again. Right. So, uh, well, anyway, hope um, that answers it. No, that's great. And I know we can sit here all day. We'll definitely get to have you back, I, I hope. Um, the uh, the next time, it's time for our segment for Mount Rushmore. Mount Martin's favorite, by the way. He always, we sit down. He always tells me, you got to think of four things. And I go, I can't. <laughs> think of four things. I can yeah. think of four hundred things when I'm driving around. But you ask me, yeah. yeah. So I'm, we get to do. Um, we decided to do a funny one again. Uh, it's not which, funny. Which these are interviews. It's a little funnier. But uh, we're doing Yogi Bear quotes, and I don't know how many Yogi Bear quotes you know. But I, I don't know. Many. That's okay. I, you I'm you have the easy job. Okay. You get to choose the George Washington of our four each quotes. Oh, okay. so you decide which one's the best. So okay. you just got to be a good listener. So uh, we'll go one for one. You want to start? Or you want me to start? Okay, I'll start. Go ahead. I'm going to probably take one of yours, and you're going to get mad. Well, I, I, you know, I anticipated that. So yeah, play uh, chess, not checkers, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Yogi Berra. So it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. Now that ties into business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can observe a lot just by watching. I might have had that one. <laughs> Half the lies they tell about me aren't true. <laughs> I like that. That's, That's good. good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I usually take a two-hour nap from one to four. <laughs> <laughs> well, for humor, I'm going to pick one. Well, we're not done yet. We got one more. No, no, no. You got two. I, I, we're halfway through. I never said most of the things I said. Oh, we're doing four total. Well, keep going, man. I'm yeah, no, I know. My yeah, next one. Okay, total. no, that's good. No. Um, always go to other people's funerals; otherwise, they won't come to yours. <laughs> and I don't know if I got one more to come, but this is something that I say all the time, and so it was in my lexicon before I started researching. But if you don't know where you're going, you're likely to wind up somewhere else, mm-hmm. and that one's. That's a really that's, good that's one. no joke. That's that's foundational. All right. Last one. And I'm deciding which one to go with here, but I really like this. 
you better cut the pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. How <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, I had one more too that I heard the other day and he said, uh, There's only talking about, I know, but this is too good. He said, New York restaurant, Yogi Berra says, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. So, okay. Well, uh, so I would say for the, uh, I'll give you two answers. Boy, that's really politician of me, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> for business, I would do the one if you don't know where you're going. Well, absolutely. You know, so, but I think for me specifically, and, you know, as, I, as I'm always going to be maturing, the funerals one <laughs> is one that I introspectively have tried to think a lot about. Because, I mean, you get in business and things get busy and just the world just yeah. goes right past you. And uh, I mean, for anybody that's got kids and knows that, you turn around, they're they're driving, and next thing you know, they're out of the house. So my kids are almost on social security. <laughs> Pretty close. Is it what they call the, your wallet? Yeah. No, no. These, I'm talking real social yeah. security. They got a few years. Yeah. You know, it's easy, and I, I would say that you know I've been busy working or on sales calls or training employees. That it's like, ah, you know, I know I have time to go to so and so's funeral. Yeah. And uh, recently, I, I I think it was through a Tim Ferriss book, put in a death clock. I don't know if you guys have done that. Mm. Put in your this name, and, wait, a little... and, and put in your health conditions, and it pretty much gives you a prediction on how long you'll live. Ooh. And you put that down to a number, and you realize, hey, 9,000 in that many days left to be on this place. What are you I prefer not this? to know the, that uh, kind of stuff. The, uh, so uh, it's kind of, that one's hitting me personally. Hey, you gotta, I got to make you feel better, though, because Mark Twain said he didn't want to know uh, when he was going to die. He wanted to know where. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of being he can do something about the second one. Yeah. So um, we always like to leave listeners with something they can actually go do. And I know we've covered a lot today. And I think one thing that I want to remind listeners, and you can probably do the same, is that none of this happened overnight. They're listening to this, and they're like, this is you're, you're probably there. This, this is yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, in the, in and and for a lot of them, they're probably thinking, especially. I mean, you had a really good foundation, mm-hmm. no pun intended, but pun intended, uh, to be able to do that. Especially being able to restart with all the experience that you were able to gather in your past. But um, you know, right now you may be their vision. They may want to be like this one day, running their business like this. Like that's a dream of theirs. So if they're in that. If, if that's where they're at, what, what's something that you would recommend right now they go do? Just one thing. Um, well, first off, uh, I would say uh, write down the vision. I mean, it's mm. got to start with, well, it kind of goes if you don't know where you're going. <laughs> it's the first thing because um, then what the hell are you working on? I can't remember the, who wrote the book, The 12-Week Year, but he talks about, you know, what diet works. There's diets everywhere. Well, it's the one you stick to. Mm-hmm. So take out the word diet, put vision there, and just write it out. You know, yep. if if your vision is to have twelve employees or one hundred and twenty, well, that's your vision. It's it's okay to have a small vision. It's okay to have a big one. You know, so just make it work and start with the vision first. I like that. There's Man, that's, tons of resources that is, that'll support it. Yep, it's it's out there on the yeah. internet and YouTube and everything else. That's so, great. That's yeah. great. No, well, that's perfect. Um, Ethan, I think it's time. I think it's time for you to. Uh, Sorry, this is this was a two two hour at least hour episode. I told you. I told you. Yeah, we're gonna have to worry about anything. Yeah, so the mics were off for half of it. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
All right, Ethan, I'm going to give you two minutes. Two uh, minutes, okay. I, I think. Minute per hour. Yeah, a minute per hour, gosh. Um, I got a lot of stuff, so. Okay, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, hit it. Okay, so when starting out in his career, uh, Will developed a good relationship with contractors across the nation. This helped him, he helped him set up things like systems, processes, and sales. And I'm going to use a foundation pun. It was a good foundation for the rest of your career. <laughs> and that pun was intended. Uh, when working with the larger operation, sometimes you don't outgrow your company. It may outgrow you. I really like how you did research before you came to Oklahoma. Like, you looked at aspects that some people may not, like percentage of homeowners, average income, and other market research stuff. Um, we talked about marketing, and you, call, you look at it like a diversified stock portfolio. Uh, you can't just focus on one channel. You have 42 campaigns and all kinds of different stuff. I like how you said work-life integration, not work-life balance, because uh, people do benefit from their their work. So, I mean, they do integrate in some ways. Uh, I like how you go to each department and with their KPIs and you ask them what worked, what didn't work, and how it could be done better. Uh, I think that's really good for a lot of different reasons. Keeping com company culture on track is an ongoing process. You have quarterly company-wide gatherings with awards. You state the vision, and this just builds buy-in from your employees. Uh, find the motivation of your potential customers' needs. These are just points, by the way. I kind mm -hmm. of started to just go into points. <laughs> Follow up with your leads. That's very important. Uh, CRM is like keeping books for sales and marketing. Having a call center helps with communication with potential customers and keeps quality control in check. If the customer doesn't fit your potential, if you if the customer doesn't fit your ideal customer, don't feel bad about putting them behind your ideal customers. And I really like the truck, the way you organize your trucks and the tools. And not only that, but just the way you treat your employees is really good for company culture and it gets a lot of buy-in and that helps the company as a whole. So yeah awesome good stuff um well appreciate it ethan thank you um no problem. how can people connect with you uh well first thing is uh you know we have our website that's the foundation solutions.com yeah and by the way in branding conversation that was a horrible name phonetically <laughs> it's very confusing but v if you want to know Vesta is the Roman goddess that protects home and hearth. So ah, went the Nike route with that, right? Yeah, that's it, well, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Vesta is spelled V as in Victor, E S T A Foundation Solutions.com. And uh, that's a great way to get us. Uh, obviously, on our Facebook page, there's a lot of communication that tethers in with Podium there. And you can also email me directly at will at vestafs.com, which is will at Vesta. F is in Frank, S is in Sam.com. And, uh, you know, with this uh, new role I have at my company is developing large, meaningful relationships with people that will help us grow. So if I love to help people. We have our university classes in our office where we bring yeah. in home inspectors and other business owners. So, you know, you'll find out, I think, from this podcast, we're pretty open with our numbers. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, listen... All, well, like uh, we said with Elon Musk, yeah. you know, you open up the, this stuff to everybody. We're all just the rising tide will raise all ships. Yep. So absolutely. So, uh, yeah, and then there'll probably be something. In the so what I'm hearing is, if yeah. somebody's got a question, they can email you with it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Um, man, thank you so much. I just, 
I think uh, I, we can all see that you're very ambitious. You talked about seeing three, five years out in advance. I'm sure that at times you're seeing that and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, we're struggling. What's going on right now? And you're getting frustrated and stuff. But I do want to let you know and affirm you that like you've done a really great job and you don't need to think about three to five years, like sit back for a second and take in everything that you're doing because so many contract, uh, contractors out there envy you and um, you're doing a great job and it's really fun to watch from the sidelines and so thankful to know you and to have you on this podcast and would love to have you back uh, to hear how things are later on. Yeah, so. not on one of those snippets, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> hey, uh, well, I'm glad we published a, uh, an audio book today. Here. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> Thank you so much. We appreciate it, Will. All right, see ya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.